This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 113 and this week i am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest mr brian quinlan who thankfully got his microphone working hi quinlan hi this is your first time on the show remotely instead of being in the same room with me i think yes so so <laughs> you're just gonna give all word one word answers. So, uh, well, how's it feel to be like every other guest other in the history of the show? Uh, okay. It feels okay. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're here to talk about the uh, two Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows that I had, we both attended uh, in New York City and Philly. Uh, we're gonna talk about some upcoming New Japan cards, some general thoughts and feelings on attending these two shows live. Um, I also already recorded a segment on my own for DDT's uh, September 29th Corican. So I'm going to put that on at the end after our New Japan segment here. Speaking of DDT, their next big show is until November, right? Or am I completely wrong about that? You know, you're right. November okay. 3rd, ultimate, ultimate Party. So nothing is going to be new on their like network for October? No, no, no. Well, November 3rd is your next big show. They're still going to have oh, smaller shows. They'll have shows. mine. Okay, smaller shows. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we talked about, we talked, I, I, well, I keep saying we. I talked all about the Ultimate Party show as well. I went By through yourself? the whole card. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. You don't watch DDT. How the hell do I know you want to talk about DDT? You couldn't find anyone else that wanted to talk about DDT. So. Okay. I, I went over it. John, during... what do you think about the show? Well, let me tell you, John, I'm glad I finally have someone that agrees with me on everything. In fact, I think you should be my guest from now on, John. I'm honored, John. I will be. Okay. It was that I didn't know when I was going to watch the show and when I was going to be able to record because we went to these two shows this past weekend, and you know, yeah. Plus, there were the the parties and everything, which were a good time. And what awesome about that? And what awesome shows they were. Wow. Are you saying that sarcastically? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> Well, some people really that. didn't like the New York City show. I don't really. I mean, um, then, if it's because of the thing which we'll probably start out with, then well, that's not their fault. And if yeah. it's because it wasn't a big show, like I don't know what you wanted when you. 
I saw those I cards and knew immediately these are going to be like Kurokin shows, and I'm and that's yeah. what I and I and I'm perfectly fine with that. But. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about the the macro thing because I think there was one thing on the New York City card that was under their control that I think was a mistake, but um, other than that, I don't really think that you know it was really their fault. And I think the people expecting Dominion, I don't know what to tell you. Got to go to Dominion. No, Dominion. you have to go to Japan and go see, <laughs> to go see Dominion. Yeah. And some, you know, it also it's a good thing the show wasn't Dominion because then we would have been here till like till like two a.m. It was a Kirkin <laughs> show. It was so yeah. Um, so quickly, I guess let's, before we talk about the professional wrestling, people seem to enjoy the anime chat we've done the past few weeks. So I have another guest on here that I can talk about anime with. Quedlin, what anime have you been watching? Okay. Um, well, the stuff that's like current, because I do like to go back and watch a lot of old stuff, current stuff, I'm watching Dragon Ball Super. Uh, yeah. which I only got a couple episodes left of that. Um, uh, just so everyone wait, knows. The show, wait, 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 the show's over. No, no, no. It just took a long break, oh. uh, because they wanted the manga to catch up and they didn't want to be like how they used to be where like an episode would have like, every time someone did a move to fill in time, they'd have like 20 different people talk about that one move and have a lot of filler and all this shit. They're just taking a long break and, and they have, and they had a movie in between it. That's canon. So that's fine. But when did the when did the when did the show end? Um, I think maybe last year. Even it's been oh, a while right. because I, I've been watching it as it airs on Toonami because I grew up with the dub voice acting. So it kind of even though I watched a lot of Japanese voice acting for Dragon Ball, I mostly watch dubs. So uh, I'm I'm used to it. And it's you mostly been, watch I'm, dub for you mostly watch dub for Dragon Ball. To be clear. Yeah, yeah. For everything else, um, you usually watch sub. For for Naruto, I've never watched any any of the dub. I've never seen a single second of the dub. I don't think. But um, I believe because people were expecting the new season to come out this fall, and the announcement never came. So obviously, it's not coming. So people are wondering. The manga has gotten further ahead, and they need to give the manga time. Is it's one chapter a month? So yeah, they need they needed to wait a while. But uh, <laughs> or they could have done what Boruto did with their one chapter, which where. <laughs> The the manga started in episode fifty three, so I just reached where the manga started in Boruto, the anime. So fifty two episodes of uh, filler, a it was fifty two episode <laughs> intro. If you guys want to watch Boruto, we t- we t- we just joked last week that like anime fans will seriously tell you like, okay, if you sit through fifty episodes, the show will get good. But here. You literally have to sit through fifty three episodes before you get to the plot of the manga. Uh, fifty two. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It starts at 53. <laughs> well, there were there was a manga volume written by the creator that's canon bet- that takes place between Naruto and Boruto. During those 52 episodes, they had like a three-episode thing that covered that. And they had one episode that covers a chapter that happens later in the manga that's a flashback chapter. And they did an episode, I guess, it, because it fit along the timeline. So there are like four episodes sprinkled in that are technically canon and from the manga. But other than that, it's all filler. That they just did, uh, yeah. Well, because they started around the same time the manga started, and the manga's one chapter a month, so they're like, "Well, we got to give them a long time to uh, <laughs> to, to get ahead." So I guess we'll just do have them fight mailmen and uh, disgruntled video game programmers. And, <laughs> and you watched all of this, yeah. What the fuck is wrong? It's with you? it's not as bad I as want- some of the Naruto filler. <laughs> it really isn't. But you watched all of that too. Yeah. 
so folks, for those of you listening at home, this person watches Naruto filler, Boruto filler, and World Wrestling Entertainment programming. So, what are you doing with your life, Quedlin? I don't know. <laughs> what um, are you doing? And I guess the other series I'm watching. Um, well, as I talk, people are going to notice a pattern. A lot of the current stuff I watch on uh, Toonami. Not all of it. Some of it I just wait for the season. To, I don't watch JoJo's on Toonami. I just, but I haven't watched Part Five yet. Um, I'm gonna watch My Hero Academia as soon as it comes on. I'm gonna download it. But uh, like I've been watching Food Wars, which is pretty good. I, people told me that show was great for years, and I just started it. Fire Force, which is pretty good. Doctor Stone is pretty enjoyable because I have no idea where the show's going, and uh, I, 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 that show had a lot of build up. When are you gonna watch it, John? I'm gonna watch it soon. <laughs> the creator's gonna be at uh that con you're going to. Don't you wanna? Aren't you going to? Why'd you yeah. say I'm going? The con well, I'm going. It, to. Well, it's the con you consider like your con because we're always like John. Why do you love this con so much? What's my con? And we'll be like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Well, I do. Right. I do live in. I do live in New York. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It's my. Well, it's my hometown con. Okay, I live in New Jersey. So is anime next my con? Yeah. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Have fun claiming that piece of crap. Uh, I think I got the better one, John. But uh, no, you didn't. Uh-huh. Anyway, at least actual look. Tomino is going to be at mine, so okay. I don't know what to tell you. I'm very excited to meet the creator of Gundam. Um, and and Garzy's wing. And Garzy's wing. That's true. Do you know the story about how? Uh, so you so for p- those not uh, k- keeping up, what I'm saying here. So the creator of Gundam, obviously a, a legendary figure in the animation industry, also created one of the worst anime of all time, Garzy's Wing, which is like this weird OVA that, like, I don't know, became kind of a cult favorite among some anime fans because, in addition to being really bad, it also has like one of the worst dubs of all time. So. Like it's really funny to watch and just hear them say all this random shit. Give me, give me a line from Garfield's Wing, Quinlan. Come on, you, you can do it. If you owned a convenience store, I would live with you. <laughs> I want the one where he's talking to himself in the past. Yeah, no, he's talking to himself <laughs> in another dimension. Another dimension. Why I'm so conf- How are they not the same person? Like, I'm so confused. Like, does this mean if you die here, there, I'll die here? Probably <laughs> the way he delivers. Probably it's, it's like it's just like are you, are you gonna make it to the to the to the party? Probably. Am I gonna die? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> and and also, uh, you certainly got sexy. Another <laughs> favorite line. But yeah, so Tomino made one one of the most legendary media franchises, the Japanese equivalent of Star Wars, basically Gundam, and he also made Guardians Way. So. He's at this con in New York City to bring it full circle here. Um, way back in the day, I think like 2002 or three or something like that. And I think it was Anime Expo New York or something. And, um, you know, Central Park Media at the time, this was like one of the big anime distributors. They um, basically, you know, they, they, they had funded putting on part, they funded part of the convention and they had brought, they were the ones who brought over Tommy now. But Tomino, you know, again, his big work is Gundam, and they don't license Gundam because this was a very tiny, you know, studio. Gundam's a big deal. But they did license Garcia's Wing. So they, because they, that's the only thing they had under their license in America that he worked on, they just peppered him with question after question on this fucking terrible show he probably never wants to think about. So basically every answer he gave was like, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Or like, 
<laughs> you know, that was like the general gist. Like, I don't want to talk about this. But that's they just kept trying over and over again because it's the only thing they had in their catalog that he worked on. So he was tormented at this convention. So I hope Anime NYC goes better for him this year than uh, Anime Expo New York did back in the day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched any new anime in the past week, I guess. I've, uh, I've gotten a little farther on Slimu. One other say? thing I wanted to mention, uh, I have watched, I have caught up on Attack on Titan. Mm. Um, I, oh, you, finished, I, you finished the entire third season? Hmm? Or the third se- the first half of the third a while season? Ago, yeah. yeah, months ago. I think. Yeah, made? a while ago. What? So what do you think? Of, you never told me this. I We discussed the end of the third season. Wait a second. You told me you got to the basement? No, you didn't. Well, I did. I guess okay, I forgot so what do you think? What do you think of the basement spoiler? Like the big world spoiler? Um. Uh, well, by the way, spoiler for Attack on Titan first, yeah. anyway. Oh, we are going to spoil it? Okay. Yeah, uh, spoil, you just, just say it. What did thought- you think of it? I thought it didn't like you kept acting like it was the biggest twist ever. I was kind of like, oh, that's not surprising. That's an interesting way to go with it. Um, I, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You think it's not that surprising that the entire plot of the show is wrong? They think they, they, they think there's no one else that's alive. And it turns out the entire world is alive. Yeah, no, I predicted that a long time ago, buddy. Oh, okay, Watching the show, whatever. I'm like, I bet it's going to. Well, how the f- where did those two people fucking come from? They mentioned there was more people because fucking Reiner and the other one kept talking about their village outside the walls or where they're from is outside. So I'm like, oh, well, obviously there's an outside world and they've been lying this whole time. Like okay. this was something that I guessed a long time ago, like because they said it on the show. Um, well, because happy, I knew they ca- came from somewhere else. I didn't know it turned out that the. They 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 spent their whole lives fighting titans. When it turns out they are the titans, really, yeah, and and that's what they're thought of by the outside world as the titans. Uh, I also I think it helped liking it better because right before I watched the third season, I saw the second live action film, <laughs> and going into that movie, I didn't know they made up their own like ending and explanation for everything that was different from the show because I don't think the show had reached it yet. And they and it was so horrendous. And I'm like, uh, it can't be worse than that. And it wasn't the show. What was what was the that, movie explanation again? Um, it revealed that the world they lived in was once our world, uh, and the government created Titans. I don't know which world government, maybe United States, because it showed a Titan like walking through Times Square or something in a scene, uh, or somewhere in New York, I think. Created Titans as like a military weapon that got out of control, but then. Uh, the, but then they use the Titans to keep people trapped in the city. The reason why they unleashed the, the leaders of the city, uh, the leaders of the military unleashed the colossal Titan because people in the city were thinking about re- re- branching out and going exploring the outside world. They're like, well, we can't let them leave the town. So we'll have to terrorize them with Titans to make them think well, only the military can protect them. And we have to stay here in the city. And the main villain turns out to be a Titan or the, ma- the main general. And uh, it, it, I think it ended with the armored Titan killing the colossal Titan and dying as well, but they were different people. It was, and the movie never really explained how the main character was a Titan though, but I was like, okay, sounds pretty stupid. It was, it was really bad. It, it was, it felt like, oh, we got to wrap this shit up in one movie because we may not get another one. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that, okay. 
<laughs> it, it, it's a really forgettable. And also, if you want to watch a movie where there are no Titans, then I'll watch the second Attack on Titan movie because uh, <laughs> I get the feeling the budget was cut for the second one. A lot of the movie is them like riding in a car and they're like, hey, look, Titans. And then you see Titans in the distance. Okay, those are Titans. Let's keep going. And like, it's very, it's not like the end and the very beginning that the Titans and the characters are on screen together. So it's like, I could tell this movie got its budget cut from the first one. Like, they were like, okay, you're not going to have the money this time, guys. So have a bunch of people riding in the car for most of it. Uh, it sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Attack on Titan. I don't know. I'm excited for it to come back, I guess. But but I don't know they're how they're going to wrap up everything in one season. But good luck yeah. with that. They're about to hit like the the like the weirdest, craziest part of the manga. So uh i don't know we'll see what they do anyway that was anime chat since uh people seem to enjoy that the last few weeks will may will be a little bit more difficult to do it next week with uh the rich from the voice of the wrestling flagship but <laughs> who knows i guess maybe i'll ask him if he wants to like uh marathon sailor moon before he comes on all right why don't you uh watch some dragon ball super john i'm good Let's talk about the Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows from this past weekend. Um, there were three events uh, in Boston, well, not Boston, Lowell, uh, Lowell, Manhattan, and Philadelphia. So the first event in Lowell we obviously did not go to, so I'm just going to go through the results really quickly just for because some of them played the results later on. Uh, the attendance was 2130, so... Yeah, you know, there's actually the highest attendance of the three shows, but it was not. It was the only one not sold out because it's a big building, I guess. Um, the opener was Carl Fredericks beating Alex Coglin at 8:47 with an elevated half Boston Crab. Not surprising since he won the um, what's it called, the Young Lions Cup. Then Lance Archer beat Ren Narita in 7:23 at the EBD Claw. Mikey Nichols and Juice Robinson defeated Clark Connors and TJP. Nichols pitting Connors in 804 at the Mikey Bomb. I heard that TJP was just as hated at this show as he was the other two. Uh, Chase Owens and Giotto defeated the Rock and Roll Express in 910 when Chase pinned Ricky Morton with the package pile driver. Tomohiro Ishii and Amazing Red, the team that Andrew Rich of Music of the Mac called Red Bull. I thought it was funny. They beat Shingo Takagi and Bushi at 848 when Ishii pinned Bushi with the vertical drop brainbuster. Uh, match number six, Goto, Yoshihashi, and Rocky Romero beat Jay White, Kenta, and Gato. Uh, Yoshihashi tapped out Gato to the butterfly lock in 1228, building some momentum for his big title challenge. Um, then we had G.O.D. defeating Rapungi 3K to retain the IWGP tag team titles. Tamatanga pitting Yo in 1643 of the Gunstun to retain. And the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, and Kazuchika Okada defeating LIJ, Naito, Evil, and Sonata in 2026 when Tanahashi pinned Naito with the Ground Cobra Twist, which is, of course, like the, um, you know, a, basically a flash pin. So interesting there that Naito got pinned. Um, you know, I think it's sort of like to continue the storyline of him being at his bottom here after he lost the IC title, plus somebody had to get pinned in this match and, you know, doesn't really make sense for Okada, Ibushi, Evil, Shinada since they got big matches coming out. Um, I don't. Do, this could be a kind of thing where they come back and reference it down the line. Maybe if Naito happens to walk out of the Tokyo Dome with both titles, Tanahashi can say he beat him uh, mm-hmm. back up. So they've done stuff like that before. 
they've done like Goto beat Okada in the G1, and everybody thought they forgot about it, and then Goto brings it up like six months later. So we'll see. Then night number two, the Hammerstein Ballroom, a sellout, seventeen seventy-six. I don't. Is that the actual number of people, or did they do that as that's a little joke? That's what I read too. Uh, <laughs> maybe I, I doubt them doing that. Yeah, that's just what it was, I guess. Um. So first of all, this the big thing you have to talk about, I guess, right away is the start time for the Hammerstein Ballroom. It was supposed to be seven p.m. Uh, the actual start time ended up being 8.24 p.m. And so this, we, the only announcement we got at first was basically that there was some kind of technical... Well, I mean, first, we didn't get any announcement for a long yeah. time. And we started hearing like, something about technical difficulties. Then we heard it was the ambulance. Um, the, the story became that the ambulance was stuck in traffic. And then we heard it... In, well, actually, I think the other story came out after the guy came out. So... We hear the ambulance is stuck in traffic or whatever. And then I think like what time? Like what time did the executive come out? Like 7.45, 7.50? Yeah, I want to say about 45 minutes after they're supposed to start, I want to think. But I could be wrong. So, so this executive comes out and introduces himself. I, I don't think well, – I, I didn't oh, catch oh, oh, hey, oh, oh. Before you mention this, this crowd was mad. They were yeah. booing. They were chanting this is bullshit right before it came out. Now yeah, they were getting increasingly angry. There was one occurred. guy – there was one guy two rows ahead of us that was like really mad. I don't he know. He was like, mad. We were the second, like five seconds after eight p.m. He started freaking out. So I was <laughs> 7 like, 7 I'm yeah, seven p.m. That's seven p.m. Five seconds. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, and he just kept getting um, more and more belligerent as the show went on. But um, yeah, so he was like, there. He was like a jackass and clearly drunk. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, we were up in the so for New York City show, we should say we were up in the section one hundred and one. I believe, yes. right? Yeah. And it was like, so the first the first balcony all the way to the, to the left, or to the right, I guess, if you're looking up at it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the seats were good. They were, what, like the fourth row of that balcony? Although your seat was behind a pillar, so I guess your seat wasn't as good. Hello? Hello? Can you not hear me? Oh, you're going to have for a second. You're talking about how I was on... Yeah, I can hear you now. I was on the pillar. Yeah. You were well, behind I, the pillar. I can see fine. I, I just looked around it. It wasn't directly in front of me. I just moved my head of like a couple inches and I could see almost all the ring except for one corner. Yeah. My view was great. So I could see the entire ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this guy in front of us uh, like starts like, you know, loudly complaining and he's probably the loudest one in our section. Um, when a, a friend of mine, like uh, who had, I met at the show, actually, when she like, tweeted uh, something like at me like i think what it was i forget what it was it was like something about how american fans are like super belligerent and rude or something i was like well i think she's talking because she was like in our section Hmm. and i was like okay here's let me just read her actual tweet she said people throwing streamers last night made me really annoyed because they also had uh you know People basically brought streamers to the to the show and threw them, and then same with people booing the delay. So many American fans are so rude and entitled and self absorbed. I hope it doesn't make New Japan shy away from doing shows in the East Coast. Yes, I hope she's okay. Be reading that tweet, but um, I totally agree with Haley. American fans are the worst. So I mean, there are plenty of fans there that were very nice and very cool, and you know, understanding. And I'm not saying people can't get mad about delay but by the time we get to 750 or whatever the fuck it's pretty obvious that like 
this isn't just because I don't know a camera broke or something. Like there's something serious yeah, going on. When they came out, Rocky said something about shooting. We're having trouble shooting, or somebody said something, and I was like, yeah. shooting? What the hell? I, I, that that wasn't the problem. Everybody. Yeah, it was. So so the exe- some, some piece of shit made a phone call and yeah. So the executive comes out. Um, and you know, people at this point have been very angry and they're booing and chanting. And he says, I, "Do you remember exactly what he said?" I don't. I'm, well, first he got on all fours and, and bowed to each side yeah, of the ring. He got on all while fours while looking he, like he's about to cry. He and got then down on all fours. Yeah. He started apologizing a little bit, but then immediately started bowing to all of us again. And he kept doing that because that's what—that's like a cultural thing <laughs> in Japan. He, when something goes wrong, even if it's not your fault, you still like apologize profusely and beg forgiveness. And this New York crowd did not know how to take that. They went from chanting "This is bullshit" to ch- when they saw this poor Japanese man, they felt so bad they started chanting "It's okay." So <laughs> they, 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 they got guilt tripped into into feeling, <laughs> I think, not as angry because this was not their fault at all, as it turns out later. But, but yeah, so like they, they, the crowd basically like seriously felt bad. Basically, yeah, they got they, quiet and they were like, "Oh, we feel like <laughs> assholes now." Yeah, Ooh. and because so I so it was like it was very effective, I guess. But yeah, I it think worked. I think people like if you're not aware of like some of Japanese culture, this probably was a much bigger shock to you. But like this, I think like, like you were just saying, this is like a very typical, I don't know, like Japanese apology. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen executives, like, like basically when something goes wrong with your company, the executive's supposed to go out in front of the people and be very humble and be very, like, apologetic and just, like, take all the blame, basically. So yeah. what this guy did. So I don't think it was – I think people might have even felt worse than they needed to, honestly. But, yeah, people felt really bad. And then Rocky Romero came in and rescued him, basically, because he was, yeah. like – he was like he saw this man was just like going over and over again through the like the very Japanese apology, but, but yeah, Rocky was like, "Look, this wasn't our fault," which became clear afterwards. And then he he started throwing out T-shirts, and basically he got the crowd to chant "New Japan," which was quite like th- this whole thing was quite the work because like to to get a crowd to chant for the promotion of the show they're at that's an hour late and counting is pretty impressive. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, so the show... I mean, he, second Rocky got in the ring and started talking, he got a huge pop. It, people love him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, at this point he said we're going to try to get something on the screen from Boston, I guess, to tie this over, which they did eventually, but they didn't get it up there until like, I don't know, like 10 minutes before the show started anyway, so... Yeah, so it didn't really... Yeah, but... Are you ready to go over why this happened? But I'm sure everyone yeah, think probably already knows. Well, well, have there been updates today? You you were the one at home today. You would have kept. No, I think I didn't see. I didn't see anything really. Just was at five thirty. They were like, "Okay, where the fuck is this ambulance?" They called them. The company that the Hammerstein, because the Hammerstein is the one that called the ambulance, the building, and they're like, "Are you guys stuck in traffic? Where are you guys?" And they're like, "Uh, me at seven called- 7.30. So oh, I thought it was even earlier, but they were like, yeah. uh, someone called us this morning, said the show's canceled and on all, and we're booked out. So sucks for you. And they're like, uh, well, we didn't call you. So that's the whole thing in and of itself. And then like, I guess the New York state Athletic commission are like by the numbers, like, because now who did the, the, the fire department, fire yeah. department gave them an ambulance and they told them that doesn't meet the regulations. 
or so and then they got because an ambulance the, because well because the fire department ambulance can be called away is their thing yeah. yeah so they got they got an ambulance but then they're like well that's at the front it has to be at the back and when i read that i was like jesus christ did they did they take an extra 20 minutes because of that bullshit because it was at the wrong side of the building like just let them start the fucking show at that point like oh god and, and they had uh but they had four ambulances there at one point uh, yeah, but they still didn't meet the regulations. Their fucking regulations. Yeah. But um, anyway, the question is now: Who made the phone call? And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and the and it's really sad that yet because if I'm gonna tell this story to anybody, only would only like someone that knows wrestling, American wrestling, would know when reading the story. Uh. Okay, another company fucked them. Anyone else who doesn't like watch wrestling would hear the story and said, "Oh, someone made a mistake and thought the show was canceled when it wasn't." And someone from the company, he'd be like, "No, no, that's not what happened." And I've I've told the story to people. Like I was telling my mom about it, and she was like, "Oh, so someone made a mistake." I was like, "No, no one made a mistake. Someone <laughs> sabotaged them. That's what because the wrestling in America is still stuck in like the fucking carny days. And I'm sure Japan, the New Japan officials are probably like, "Who screwed up?" and because Japanese wrestling isn't stuck like that, but they're like, no, someone fucked you. Someone yeah. fucked you. Um, and it's just, which one is it? Well, I, should, is can we make? I don't want to make accusations, but there are only I, two people <laughs> from two companies that I think could have. I don't think because there's another big company that doesn't seem to be to me are are younger and don't seem to be stuck in days in those carny bullshit things a certain aw i don't think would pull something like that i'd like at least that's what i believe that if they're gonna compete with you they're not gonna do shit like that there's only i think that there's one company where many people might do that and there's one company where i think one person would want to do that but i think we can uh but so but i don't want to name names but i think everyone knows because i saw your your thing john i saw your tweet and i saw the gifts and the people featured in those gifts and certain individuals who I think people are thinking might be responsible for this. But yeah, I don't know why you're beating on the bush so much. I eat bully Ray or Vince McMahon. Okay, well, I don't, I don't want to be accused of. of well, they going they go fucking sue me for my no money I make from this okay. podcast. Come fucking sue me, bully Ray. I, if if a guy is willing to 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 risk his company for a lawsuit by bringing a fan backstage for yelling at his <laughs> girlfriend and threatening him like he's in the fucking mafia. And I, he did everything but like buy him a new suitcase as he was like talking to him, <laughs> like Tony Soprano. Had, like when I heard that story, I'm like, this this is not gonna if and this is features brim for that company if they're letting Bully Ray do this bullshit. So it could have easily been him. And and the fact that there are people saying Vince McMahon doesn't know New Japan exists. <laughs> yes, that was the funniest why, reply. Why the fuck do you think Vince McMahon? Why the fuck do you think Raw and SmackDown went? back to tape tv in madison square garden and for the first time in like 10 years people why do you yeah. think that happened because new japan sold out madison square garden that's why yeah, he went can. back and he was like oh, god damn it i'll show him it's the first time in 10 years we're gonna sell it out they didn't yeah and uh everyone and they brought austin they brought Undertaker, and everyone was like uh we're good we'll stay home and i'm sure that drove him insane so yeah i wouldn't put it past him or the other. Just, just amazing to me that anyone would ever say Vince McMahon doesn't know New Japan exists. So I guess in the 80s when they were partners, he just thought uh, he didn't know who his partners were. 
Yeah. Or when Andre the Giant would vanish every like six months, he just thought like Andre would fall to the earth. Or when his junior title was taken for like how long defended there <laughs> in the seventies? Or where did where 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 do you think he he got knocked? He just signed. Look, they, these people are not worth. These people no, are not worth no. spending any time on. Is, they are so fucking date. stupid. Yeah. You never. It's like talking about Trump supporters. You're never going to yeah. convince them of anything. Um, but yes. So as far as uh, the delay goes, I mean, look. Obviously, it sucked to be there for an hour and a, almost an hour and a half without a show, and I'm sure that's part of the reason why. When I look back on it, I think Philly was better. But mm-hmm. I even without it, I think I would have liked Philly better. So I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah. And the crowd got over it. I mean, no, I we were I red, a, crowd was red hot from the opening match. I yeah, I mean, I was they, worried. The there crowd was didn't. one match where they died down, but we'll get to that. But, I uh, thought I thought the crowd was going to be in a bad mood all night uh, over that, yeah. but they were once the, once they got the show they wanted, they were they were fucking thrilled. So, yeah. all right, so let's talk about the actual show. It opened up with TJP defeating Red Narita in eight forty eight with the Panori stretch. Were you surprised by how much TJP was hated? Uh, I thought he might not get the best reaction. I didn't know they'd like boom out of the building, but I mean, he was playing uh, into it here. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was fine with it, but I guess it's because they consider him like a WWE guy. Or well, something. and he's really annoying on Twitter. Oh, well, I, I don't follow him on Twitter because I don't care. But um, that okay. Well, I guess that's the reason. He's like a borderline like menace or something. I don't know. Oh, or like a male rights guy. I, I didn't know that. Men's rights guy, whatever. Yeah. So well, that I would have booed him too, but. Uh... <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this I, I first of all I, I, I marked out when Narita had their LA Dojo theme now. That was oh, great. Yeah. He didn't have the, the he, new, and the he already had the shirt and everything. And yeah. that, that was great. I love that they're he doing like, that storyline with him. I just hope like, I have defective. I just hope he doesn't like disappear like all the young lions they've been pushing <laughs> have been doing lately. But, uh, but um, yeah, I thought this was the, the, the highlight was probably when TJP was who did actually play heel pretty well. He had like a long wind up for his sl- for a slap when he kept taking the, the gloves off and everything, and they just faked out hit the drop kick instead. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah. uh, TJP won. I went three stars in this, I thought it was a fun little opener. Yeah, this was a fun little. I mean, this was like those young lions always have great, exciting matches that you can get behind. Uh, I think the best of all the Young Lions matches this weekend was the next night, but we'll we'll get to that. But oh, I really like the next match too, which we'll talk about. So Carl Fredericks versus Lance Archer. Oh. Uh, Lance Archer beat him in seven thirty seven with the EBD Claw. Uh, I thought this was a really fun, like you know, underdog match where like Fredericks really you know he totally dominated for a while, but then he finally got to fire up a little bit, and Archer sold for him more than he sold for the guy the following night. So I thought that was cool. But I went three and a quarter on this. I really enjoyed it. Lance, I think I liked his match the next night better, Archer. But both of them were awesome. Lance Archer has gotten so great. and He's very over now. He's very over. I think they probably should have never stuck him in a tag team. Because he's been there. I think he was just he's just better as a singles guy that goes in and, and destroys people. And yeah. He's like another certain giant man that's in the company, but a million times better. Um, you mean by like Fale? Yeah, I think maybe he should uh take his place. But I know Fale is always going to get a push, probably because of his dojo and his loyalty of staying there. But um, Archer was great here. He's even better the next night 
and I think he's an awesome heel. And and he he was great in the G one this year too. He's just as a singles wrestler, I think he's a lot better. Um, I think he's a tag team. I think it's also just being in that division that the only division in New Japan that's kind of like oh that one, the heavyweight tag division. Yeah. The only one that's like yeah, that's people don't like. I think it just makes you, I don't know, just being part of that division just brings you down a little bit, possibly. Uh, maps number three, Mikey Nichols and Juice Robinson defeating Alex Coughlin and Clark Connors in 829 when Mikey pinned Alex with the Mikey bomb. Um, there was like a weird miscommunication early with Juice and Connors that like wasn't good, but then Clark made up for it by just going nuts on both guys with like spears and chops and slams. That was a really cool spot, and the, the double Boston crab spot was cool. And I thought the match by the end improved and got up to three stars. But what did you think of this one? Uh, it was a match that happened. Uh, Juice was a lot more over in New York and Philly than than Philly, I thought. I don't know if you noticed the same thing. But not that he wasn't over in Philly, but he got such a huge pop in New York. Um, I thought, would you agree with that? Or uh, Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah. I think uh, – but... You know, I thought it, big the the pops for for him was like really really big in New York. It was still big in Philly, but not. Yeah. I think it probably helped too that he was like one of the first like big stars to come out. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that probably helped him. Uh, the next match was the uh, six man tag team match where God and Jado defeated Rocky Romero and Punky Three K in ten forty six. Tamatanga. Pinning Rocky with the kill shot. I don't even know what that. What the fuck is the kill shot? Oh, that was when when uh, Tonga Lova like throws him into the uh, basically from a power bomb position. Like he throws him into the gun stun. So I guess that's called yeah. the kill shot. Um, first of all, so we we can talk about like for a macro sense what the fans are like now, but here's a good good way to do it. The the number of Bullet Club fans at these shows has greatly decreased. I mean, compared to MSG and compared to Ring of Honor, uh, the Ring of Honor New Japan shows on the East Coast, I mean, those used to be like a sea of Bullet Club shirts. Yeah. Now now you see very, very few Bullet Club shirts. Like, I would say they're the, min- they're the vast minority. Whereas, like, you see a lot more LIJ shirts now. You see yeah. a lot of LIJ hats. You, and see, you see a, a lot, lot of... Like, Diverse stuff, not just LIJ. There's, I saw a ton of Ishi well, shirts. Well, I'm saying LIJ is like the the majority now. I think yeah, LIJ is the but, biggest. But it but isn't like see... taking over like no. like Bullet Club did, which yeah. is good. It's just a lot of different people, a fan of a lot of different things. Not like there's just one guy that's over. Yeah. Everybody's over because there are a lot of Ishi shirts. There are a lot of Tanahashi, Okada, Jay White. Unfortunately, uh, there was there was a lot there there was uh, I'm trying to think of who else I think I saw a lot of Suzuki shirts even though he wasn't there. Yeah. Um I saw there's some old school shirts. Yeah, yeah, old school wrestling shirts. Some old but here's what I, shirts. Right, so here's the point I'm trying to make though. So there's not a lot of ball club fans left. Uh you know, I think a lot of those people went to AEW. The ones that are here still are our big GOD fans. And we had two charmers in the row in front of us. Do you remember what they did during this one? What no. they they whipped out their cell phones and and they videotaped Rapunga 3K's entrance, which by the way is actually oh. not allowed. But while they did this, while they were they recording Rapunga 3K's entrance, they didn't just boo them, they started chanting Rapunga 3K because I guess that's oh, supposed I, to be. I didn't know that's where they were yelling. Okay, I guess uh, that's yeah, very... 
So there you go. The Bullet Club fans remain the worst is what I'm trying to get at here. Guys, that's great, guys. There's not... A 1995 joke or whatever. But, but like, why... If you hate them so much that you're coming up with homophobic puns... Yeah, I know. Why, why are you recording? Why are you recording their entrance? Uh, it's so know. weird. But yeah, but... uh. They, those two Bullet Club fans, if you're, if you somehow happen to be listening, fuck you. <laughs> if probably not, but anyway, but they still um, weren't I mean, as annoying as Sunday. No, I mean, look, that was really like the only annoying thing they, the only super annoying thing they did all night. They were probably. pretty quiet the rest of the night, actually. I yeah. About it, but, uh... yeah, so I guess it could have been worse. So it's not, I mean, this crowd in general was so much better than all those Ring of Honor Hammerstein crowds. I mean, yeah, this was a much better than usual Hammerstein crowd. I, mean, I guess because it's not Ring of Honor. Yeah. I mean, remember what those crowds were like? They were really bad. <laughs> it was like, it was just so fucking terrible. But yeah, this probably was the best crowd I've ever seen a show at Hammerstein with. So, um, but yeah, as far as like this match itself, I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, you know, match of the night at this point, like three and a quarter. I don't even yeah. thought some of this match. Uh, no, I agree. It was probably match of the night up to that point. Uh, but, and I love Rapongi 3K, and I wish they would do more with them. I wish I could have gotten to see their tag title shot, but that was on Friday. That was for the titles, right? Because I remember yeah, hearing it the... wasn't, and then it was, and then, okay. It was uh, for the titles, yeah. I think uh, they're, they're like my favorite tag team probably right now, like the world, and I hope they uh, do more with them. But I think for that to happen, they may need to go to the heavyweight division. I don't know if that's happening anytime soon, because if they leave the junior tag, then what does the junior tag have? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I love seeing Rocky and them team together. Uh, I think they're all they're they're an awesome uh, team of three trio. guys, Tr- awesome trio. trio. But we saw another <laughs> awesome trio uh, in, after the main event Sunday. Another, uh, you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, you don't remember the trio in the ring after the main event on Sunday? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're in the next match, buddy. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right, match five. Hiroshi Tanahashi and the Rock and Roll Express defeated Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi in 10-19 when Tanahashi pinned Bushi with the high fly flow. Um, first of all, Tetsuya Naito, that guy, he's pretty popular. Yeah. The crowd went like so fucking nuts for him. So if anyone and, thinks him losing any matches has hurt his popularity, it hasn't so far. And they love them some, some Sonata and Evil too. Yeah, but, uh, but Sonata and, got huge, huge pop. When well, we're talking about this match right now. I know, but I'm just saying. All well, Shingo, they like Shingo and Bushi, And they like too. Shingo and Bushi got a big pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All um, of L- what I'm saying is all of LIJ is very over in America. I mean, Bushi got the least pop, but he got chance in Philadelphia. Yeah, which I never and, he's, and his, when his music hit, when his video played in New York, he got a big pop. Okay. You know, but, unfortunately, who didn't get a big pop was the Rock and Roll Express um, in New York. And I thought it was interesting because they actually did get a huge reaction in Philly. I think they were hurt by coming out right after Naito. Yeah. Because they did the heat, they did the LIJ team first, you know, and one I, at a time. And I and was confused by that. As soon as that happened, I was like, LIJ is coming out first. Uh, I don't know. Well, because they're that. the heels. So they always I know, do that. but and then Rock and Roll Express came out next, and the crowd was like, uh, that's nice. We just saw Tetsuya Naito. They, they kind of <laughs> gave them the reaction Tanahashi used to get. <laughs> that's true. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're legends. Cool. Uh, we but like Tanahashi, you. We just Tanahashi, don't love you. 
Tanahashi got a gigantic pop. He finally has the popularity he deserves in America. He always used to be like, everyone was like, yay, you're legendary, right? Okay, I guess you're cool. And But now they, he people love him. People are screaming yeah, people, his name. People, people go nuts. Women, yeah, everyone, yeah, people are buying New York and Philly. shirts. Yeah, New York and Philly. They love yeah. Tanahashi, and I'm glad he's he, finally gotten that popularity. And it was because of that storyline they did, I think. I, I agree. I, here's my my theory on this is, first of all, if you're a newer fan to New Japan, and I, you look, you don't have to be that new to have never seen Tanahashi like, do something big. Because he won the G1 in 2015. Yeah. He lost to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom in 2016 in the main event. And after that, he really didn't do anything like that big because, you know, he was in the IC feud for the next two years, you know, and he, I mean, he had some big matches, but like, he was not like, you know, this big deal. And then he wins the G1 in 2018, you know, so you, everybody saw him go on that run and win the G1 and you see, go see him go to the Wrestle Kingdom this year and beat Caddy for the title. And even though he only had a title for a month, I think that's still like now people were like, oh, well now I get it. Now I've seen him as this big legend win the G1 yeah. and win the title. So if you came as a fan, you know, after, you know, January 4th, 2016, that was the first time you really saw Tanahashi like do something really big. So I think yeah. that probably was a big deal, a big part of it. And part of it too, I just, I just think, and we, we're, you know, this is a more macro point since the AEW thing, since like a lot of the fans in America that only cared about the Bullet Club now are probably you know all AEW fans. I just think the remaining U.S. hardcores are like just converging more the Japanese fans, like in you know like their opinions and who's popular. So the people left are like the people who watch all, like a lot of shows probably and you know know who's popular in Japan and you know probably do like want i don't think they like consciously want to be like the fans in japan but they probably want you know they they basically end up with a lot of the same people you know a lot of the same people that are popular in japan end up popular in america now you get what i mean yeah so it's like the, the tastes are converging more and the hardcore u.s fan base that's left is becoming more like the the hardcore fan base in japan so like it's more more of like a conversion of the taste basically um but yeah, as far it, oh, by the way, the other thing too about the entrance, like, did you see Naito broke the curtain? Oh, so, I thought <laughs> he just left the thing like hanging. Or... Well, I think he like, I think it was like they, because it took a while to get it down. So Is I don't that know. why he... Ichi in the next match went through like the no, side. I don't, I don't know why he did that. I think he just missed. Oh, okay. But... And this is also when we were, I was talking about before when Haley uh, said that thing about how, you know, American fans shouldn't have thrown the streamers because New Japan doesn't have streamers. I guess some people didn't know that and they, they were throwing these streamers from time to yeah. time and they threw some here and Naito immediately picked them up and just started throwing them at people like he threw them at poor Tiger Hattori who's refing his last match ever. He threw them yeah. at Tiger, he threw them at oh, last uh, match ever in America and ever in America threw them at Tiger, threw them at Tanahashi. <laughs> so yeah. it was something, but so the real reason why New Japan doesn't have streamers because Night Day was a jerk. I yeah, guess, I guess so. So. just we just throw them, <laughs> throw them at everybody. He's a um, but yeah, so this is a, you know, this is what what this match like. There was a at one point there was a Robert Gibson hot tag, which honestly was a little bit rough. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, I don't think Gibson can. 
obviously can't do as much as as Ricky. If you can't tell from watching these two matches, yeah, that he's the one that needs to that 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 has more you know bumps on his body, I guess you could say or whatever. Yeah, um, because there was that missed drop kick spot where the where Tanahashi and Ricky went for the drop kick and missed, and Gibson just didn't. He just stood there. I guess the story is supposed to be, oh, I knew it was going to miss, so I stopped. Yeah. But like the other two did the drop pick, and he was just like, nope. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess, <laughs> I guess he's paying more better attention to what's happening. I don't know. But uh, yeah. But And then after the match came the uh, ceremony, which I did kind of worry. I hope the crowd is okay with this because I remember that. Well, this was a long time ago, but remember that ceremony for like the, the ref in New York at the Ring of Honor show? Um, wasn't I think Harley Race was there or something? Remember the Japanese ref ceremony and the crowd like freaked the fuck out because the Briscoes had just lost or some shit? Do you remember this, John? Oh, um, you said about the the ref? Yes, I remember. And they freaked out. Did like the fans booed a lot or something? Yeah, and it was a big. So I'm I'm glad this went well. This went better. The yeah. uh, ceremony afterwards. It was. Very I wanted to mention some other things from the match. Oh, okay. First. All right. So first of all, Ricky Morton did a dive to the floor. That yeah. was really cool. And Naito kept making fun of Ricky Morton's pointing towards the sky, which I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. But that was probably like the the big highlights. And they did a, they did do the triple drop kick on Naito at one point. Yeah, when they actually had it. Yeah. But yeah, I went three stars. It was a good match. Yeah. Um, other than like some rough spots with Gibson, but anyway. Uh, the yeah yeah the retirement ceremony was great and the crowd the crowd was very into it like you yeah said. so I don't know do you have anything to add about the retirement ceremony no it it was adorable him him and his grandkids and everybody yeah. there um as far as the next six man tag uh Goto Ishii and Amazing Red versus Jay White Chase Owens and Gato as you mentioned uh, Ishii came through the wrong curtain. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. Uh, not many people are going to get this, but I guess if there are people who like anime, may remember this. An episode of the anime Bleach where a character uh, breaks through a wall to get into a room where there was a perfectly open door like two feet away. And he was like, no, I went through the wall because I felt like it, basically. Um, <laughs> which made no sense in the story. Because it then shows a shot, and it shows that there was a doorway without even a door on it. The door had been broken down. but he So he must have seen that and said, no, nah, I'm just going to go through the wall because that's what I do. And that kind of reminded me what Ishii did. He like went, it felt like he went through the wall. He was like, yeah, I could go through the entrance, but you know, that's too easy. I'm going to go through like this curtain. I'm not supposed to go to through and just like walk through it and just say, <laughs> and Ishii, Ishii was like so fucking over. Yeah. Again, it, both nights. Ishii but... was, people realize how good he is. Goto got the biggest reaction. I think he's ever gotten in America when he came yeah. out. Yeah, He was like, uh, I, was, I mean, he wasn't like a rock star like some of the other people were, but the crowd liked him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I thought this was like, my, look, my favorite. Do you, do you really quickly before we talk about the actual match, like the Goto thing to me is in like you know Goto and Tanahashi, like those are like examples I think of how this audience is different from the old like yeah. Bullet Club audience slash Ring of Honor audience. Like these are like this audience is like hardcore New Japan fans. Like not yeah. everybody in the building, obviously, because I'm sure there's people who just went because they went, but like. The, the percentage of people that really watch New Japan was way higher. 
So, yeah. I mean, we remember, you remember when we used to be in those lines outside of like Hammerstein and other places for the those joint shows at Ring of Honor, and people be talking about all, all sorts of shit. And like, you, know, you can tell they barely, if they, if they watch New Japan, they barely did it at all. So, yeah, that's why I'm like, it's no, just a right. very different, very different audience, I think. But, um, but yeah, the crowd that was here likes Goto and they love Ishii. Um, it, so Goto pinned Gato in 1202 with the GTR. What were you going to say about the actual match? Go ahead. Oh, it was probably my favorite match of the night was what I was going to say. Uh, it was just mostly because Ishii and Goto are just so fucking awesome, both of them. Uh, and Red's pretty good, too. And, uh, yeah, just like I don't think – sometimes I wonder if it's possible for Ishii to have a bad match that isn't entertaining, that isn't fun. And, and Goto, when he's, when he's on, he's just fucking unbelievable, I think. Uh, and you love that Jay White. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that was – yeah, so they were great despite who they were facing. Um, I mean, Ghetto is kind of just like a manager now, but you know, when he needs to play the guy that you want to see get his ass kicked, he's good at it. And uh, Chase Owens was there, um, and so was the other guy. Um, uh, so Quinlan's like a famous Jay White hater, people, if you don't know. I am now? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you're like a really big Jay White I'm, hater. I'm not sure if the listeners know that, but... Uh... Okay. Maybe famous is the wrong word. Famous to you. But... Famous to me. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't like this match quite as much as you did. I, I went three and a quarter. I just thought it was pretty fun, but not like the greatest match ever or anything. So the next was, match. What was your favorite uh, match of the night then? The main, main event. Oh, okay. The next match was the never open weight championship match. Kenta defeating Yoshihashi in 2504 with the go to sleep to make his first defense of the never open weight championship. Okay. No, no, no. Before you do, I want to talk a little about this. Here's where I think they fucked up. Okay. When they put these shows together. I can tell you where they fucked up, but I'll hear what you say first. If this show was just supposed to be a Cork and Hall level show, which is what the rest of the card felt like down to the main event, also being the main event of a Cork in a few weeks or next, not a few weeks, next week, I should say. Yeah. A like week from today. a week from today. Um, that's fine. And I think the Philly show almost felt more honest about it, where it's like, yes, this is a cork and we're not going to have some big title match. But what they where they fucked up is putting on a big, like a never open weight title match. That title never gets defended the Corican, or very, very rarely. It's happened once in a while. Yeah, once in a while. Um, like, when's the last time? Probably Elgin and uh, Goto, right? Like last year? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. title. Okay, so I'll amend my statement. Didn't that Cobb title, fight for it at some point recently? I thought that was that that was at uh the the Cobb title match was at like Hinokuni or something. Oh, okay. It was like one of those or like Any, anyway, or, anyway. It, yeah. Okay, I'm wrong. Move on. Anyway. So, so the so here's where I, I think they fucked up by trying to put on like a big a big ish match. Mm. But putting Yoshihashi as the challenger. I mean, look, poor Yoshihashi. God bless the guy. He tries his hardest. Um you know, he's sometimes he tries his hardest, and he's not the most talented wrestler in the world. I don't, I don't even think a lot of his fans would necessarily disagree with that statement. But he give he he gives a lot with what he's given, which you know, I'm trying to think of the nice way to put over the idea. Like he he's you know he's got his deficiencies in the ring and like from a charisma standpoint, but he's you know likable in his role. I think, and you know, he has his fair share of fans, which you know, if you like go talk shit about Yoshiashi on Twitter, and one of them will let you know about it. Um, yeah. The problem is he's never been popular in America. I mean, he was the one guy 
on that MSG show who got no reaction. Probably he was the only New Japan guy on the show. He was the only MSG New show. Japan guy that got no reaction. Even Chase got a huge pop when he came out. Yeah. Yoshiyashi like, was literally the only one. And not only that, even before that, remember Kenny Omega defended the U.S. title against him in Ring of Honor. And this was back when, you know, had all the Bullet Club fans that loved them some Kenny Omega. I never saw the match. I wasn't there live. I didn't watch it. But I heard the match really lacked heat because they there was no reaction to Yoshihashi came out. And the crowd was like, we don't care about this guy, even though you're facing our or even though you're facing Kenny. I heard the. I could be wrong about that, but I, I know Yoshihashi got no reaction coming out. But I heard like the match lacked heat because it was. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't see guy. I didn't. I didn't see it either, but I heard the same thing. So, so. I, when I saw they booked that title match, I was like, I didn't think he'd get booed, but I'd just be like, this crowd is going to die because they don't care. But instead, I just thought he'd get no reaction. They'd just be silenced. But instead, he got booed both nights, which I I want to ask all these people, why are you booing him? What did he do to yes. you? Yes. Look, look, look. Let's go. Let's, let, this is where I, I got. Like, I, I made a joke on Sunday. Now, you've explained to me why are... TJP has been booed. Whether or not his Twitter, or because he's a WWE guy, or that's how you see him. But why, why, why Yoshihashi? What did he? Do? It, it just it makes no sense to me to boo Yoshihashi because it's like he's not look. a menace. He never went <laughs> he's to not... WWE. I don't understand. What did he do? He didn't do anything wrong except maybe he's. If you don't think he's that great of a wrestler, it just almost feels like it just feels mean to boo Yoshihashi. Yeah. He's like the only. He's like the only guy on this roster who's never held a title, basically, other than some other. People that are barely out of Young Lion territory. He's not, he didn't face a guy that you all love because <laughs> Kenta got booed too, and he's the heel yeah. he's supposed to. So I was like, okay, so who are you people going to cheer for? Because you booed both <laughs> guys coming out. Yoshi Yoshihashi is not even the most um, the what's what's the word like the, the to win a cha- he's not even the only guy named Yoshi to not to win like the other guy named Yoshi in New Japan won a championship. There is a yeah. more accomplished man named Yoshi in this that's not even with the company anymore that yeah. actually managed to win a title, and Yoshiashi has not. So I feel look, feel bad for this man. Okay, that's what I'm saying. You can oh. feel bad for this man, and it feels like booing him is like I don't know, booing someone's grandmother or something. It just feels like why are we being this mean? Yeah, I don't understand so, that. I mean, there were people that tried to start Yoshihashi chance, they never really succeeded he in New York. They kind of got um the crowd behind him towards the end of the match a little bit. And I think there would have been somewhat of a pop if he had won. I think more a lot of people would have cheered just because they saw a title change live. Yeah. But I think some people would have been says there were some people I was screaming for him. He got much more of a he got more people to like him the next night from what he did right right before he left. But yeah. he got the <laughs> <laughs> right before he had to walk to the match. Yes, buddy. he got the biggest pop of the weekend right before he left. <laughs> After leave. he was no longer in the match. The most Yoshihashi thing of all time. But yeah, this match uh, we'll talk about just that. went on and on. and Yes, okay, so let me talk about the match itself. Kenta, it. Kenta stalled forever at the start, which was very boring. Um, then it was just like Kenta very slowly beating him up. And like he made him look kind of stupid at one point where he like dared him to hit him and then just took him down by the leg instead. That like we don't need to make Yoshi look stupid. It's not helping. Um, he did fire up with like a slap and a kick and then spit at him. That was pretty great. But then Kenta took him down from the mount of forearms and the game over. Uh, when when Yoshi finally like every like again every time Yoshi would be like would really get going with like those forearms and then Kenta just like kind of just takes him down like an idiot. It makes him look like a moron. Um, but then the, the, there's a ref bump and a low blow. God runs in. 
I was ready to be more annoyed at that, but it was just a setup for Tiger Hattori to run in and drag them both out by their hair. And has to be said, Tiger Hattori got a million times bigger reaction than Yoshihashi did in this match. Yeah. I mean, the crowd went nuts for that spot. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, they went crazy when he came out and, like, grabbed them by the hair <laughs> like a grandfather, you know, taking them, <laughs> saying, you know, you two are grounded. What, what are you – why are you two? Where are your hall passes? Get back to class type thing. Yeah. Like, the school principals here. It, it, it was great. So. Uh, and there was a butterfly lock tease that kind of made the ropes. It was probably the high of the actual match. And then Yoshi fired up pretty well with slaps, but Kenta finally put him away with the go to sleep. Uh, I, I said the decent, a decent ending saved it a little bit, but I still only went two and a half stars. Uh, it was just too long and just not very good. Uh, uh, I think, think I liked it a little bit better than you. I got really into it towards the end. I just thought they could have shaved off some time, especially with the delay. This match didn't really need to go 25 minutes. Yeah, look, they were like, motherfuckers, we don't care that the show three hours started an hour and a half late. We are going to do twenty five all 25 minutes of Yoshihashi match and Yoshi guy's entire intro. Yeah. Like that weird intro that plays for some of his matches. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the fucking Special K of New Japan. Because yeah. <laughs> remember how Special K had like a really long intro when they were just jobbers? Uh, I, I, I do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he got all that and... It's like okay, um, <laughs> and all the other none of the none of the matches were that long. Just this one because I yeah. guess they think title matches have to go long. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, towards the end I got really into it, but uh, and there were times where I thought he might actually do this, but uh, not yet. Maybe he'll win the tag titles at the dome. I guess we'll see if he wins the World Tag League with. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Friggin', is that really what they're gonna do with Ishii at the dome? Put him in a freaking tag title match. I haven't thought about that till now. If Yoshihashi is going to win the tag titles at the dome, he's probably going to be teamed with Ishii. Yeah, probably. And that's where they're going to stick Ishii at the dome in the fucking heavyweight tag title match again. Anyway, now I just, I just realized that you you move on. I need to take a minute to absorb this. <laughs> uh, the main event: uh, Sonata and Evil defeating Kazuchika Okada. And Kota Obushi in 1846 when evil panda Bushi with the evil. First of all, did you see the girl in the front row? Could you see her from where you were sitting? Who was like mm, absolutely no. going in? Okay. There was a girl in the front row who loved evil more than I think anyone's ever loved anything. Like I kept because where, where I was sitting, basically I was looking down and to the right, and like she was right in that front row on that right side. So she was like right in my line of vision the entire time. And she was just, like, hopping up and down and screaming. So I tweeted out, like, there's a girl in the front row who loves evil a whole lot. And this girl found me and was, like, my first front row show, laugh my fucking ass off, whoops. So I told her afterwards, like, I thought she was great anyway, but half the reason why I tweeted that was just because uh, I thought it was funny to write this girl loves evil, basically. Because it's a funny sentence to say, you know? The girl loves evil, the crowd loves evil. But, yeah, she was great. Shout, Shout out to Amanda Helen. Uh, apparently min- at midnight time 23 on Twitter. Just funny that she actually found my tweet about that. Um, but yeah, then I thought the match itself was really great. Uh, good action, especially when everybody was in there, you know, you know, just like killing each other. Um, you know, I didn't take a ton of notes for this. I guess I was tired at this point and just kind of considering. If was I like, went what? back and watched it, this might be my match of the night. I think it only isn't because I was pretty tired as well at this point because the show started 90 minutes late, as we said. So it was pretty late at this point. I'm also thinking, you know, how, you know, 
what train are we going to catch? Are we going to have to be sitting in Penn Station for an hour? Uh, Which was the answer was yes. I did, yeah, but I, I didn't <laughs> want to leave the show early. I I knew at this point when the main event was starting. Okay, we're not going to have to worry about catching the last train or anything. The show is going to be over long before the last train goes out. We'll be fine. But well, the last I train just, goes at like two a.m. now. Yeah. Oh, it's back they, to two a.m. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it was a long time ago, two a.m. and then they went to like one a.m. So now they're back to two a.m. I guess I think only on maybe only on weekends or something. Probably yeah. That's that's what it always was, and then they stopped doing on weekends, and I was like, well, that's stupid, because a lot of people stay out a lot later on weekends. But okay, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So uh, I I looked at the schedule and I was like, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're in no danger. This is the last. We're in no danger. And I, I, I we stayed for the whole thing. Evil got to cut his promo at the end of the show, which was awesome. I was just a little upset Sonata didn't say anything. I was waiting for him to say New York is his favorite city or whatever. We're not his favorite city. That's the answer. What? I guess we're not his favorite city. He didn't say anything. I guess he didn't cut the promo because he didn't get the pinfall and he thought maybe it's against the rules. I don't know. To talk. I don't know. Sonata does rarely talk. New York is not his favorite city. But every city is his favorite city. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, I just well, Sonata does really speak. He only does does yeah. when he wins the main event and has to say something. Meanwhile, Evil, uh, not Ishii, just leaves if he wins the main yeah. event. But uh, that's why if you see those, if you look at those match by match, that's, files, I was one always... that yeah, I was one that told you this, John. Yeah, like if you watch, if you see how long the show is left, if there's like nothing left, and Ishii's in the main event, like if there's barely enough time for the main event to go. Then you know Ishii's winning because he's not going to cut a post match promo. He's just going to walk to the back. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. I want to get so back to was, the end of the. Let's get oh, back to the end of the match yeah, because Evil, match. Evil gave Ibushi the evil. Yes. And most people would be like, I know Andrew Rich made this joke on Twitter already, but most that people would, would, would take an STO on their back, on and the Ibushi's back, yeah. like, "No, motherfucker, oh, I no. take it." Yeah, take what? the move. Yeah, land on my neck. No, no, Ibushi. You have to. Yeah, land on my neck. <laughs> sure, whatever. You know what? Whatever. It looked like he died. I know. I, like, I look at that. I'm like, what? you don't have to land on your neck for that move. What is he doing? Like Him and Naito, they're both like that. They're both like, if you tell them to take a move, they're like, on my neck. It's like, no, you don't have to take it on my neck. And it's like, no, you don't have to take it on your neck. But they're both they're both like the ultimate neck bumpers. It's something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's Coda, I guess. Um, but yeah, I thought the match was really good. There was like, you know, there were portions that weren't like up to like a, a really really high standard, which is why I didn't feel comfortable going four on it. Like there were some slower portions. Um, you know, like Okada and Sonata had a couple of, like little slow exchanges, and but the evil Ibushi stuff I thought was awesome in this match, and that really made me look forward to their match at, at uh, King of Pro Wrestling. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, I heard there were some people who thought the show, I guess, wasn't very good. I don't know. I think people had unrealistic expectations. I think if you take out the never title match, especially that the rest of the show was really fun. But if the if the show did have like a, a problem, I think it was just that match being like a twenty five minute drag, you know? Yeah. But other than that, though, I still enjoyed the show. I still had a good time. Uh, let's talk about the show that was better. Uh, I would say Which, overall the Sunday show. Well, why you sound weird all of a sudden? Did you like move your mic closer to your face? Oh, sorry, yes, I did. I didn't know okay. Um, the following night, Sunday in Philly. First of all, yeah, this show was better. And would you have guessed that when the cards came out? Because I sure wouldn't. Have. Um, 
the universal I there would be a chance because the main event had that elimination matches, which are always awesome. Well, but, the, um... there was like the universal opinion was that the main, that this was the weakest of three cards. And I don't know how all went. I mean, maybe we should ask Damon, I guess, which show he preferred because he went to all three of them from the Super J cast. I mean, but I thought this show was easily better than New York. Yeah, well, who thought it was the week? We thought Saturday was the weakest. No, no, no. I, th- I think this. A lot of people thought this was the weakest of the, the Sunday show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it did have four straight young line matches. I mean, yeah, but they were all fun. Okay, so let's talk. No, I meant bef- okay when the cards came out. Quinlan. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Flying Spirit and Least Philly. Uh, it did a sellout of 1,030 um, from the EC, the ex ECW arena, the 2300 arena. First of all, that thing looks more different every time we go. Yeah, I, I can mean, never it recognize really... it. It always looks completely different from the last time I was there. Because we didn't go, we haven't been there since 2015, right? I think. Um, I can't Honor. imagine. I can't remember going there for anything else. Because the Ring of Honor show in 2015. Yeah, the Ring. Ring of Honor New Japan, which again made it very interesting to compare the crowd reaction since we had, you know, literally seen a, a crossover Ring of Honor New Japan show in this building. So it was really something to come to the same building just for a New Japan show and see, see how di- show. Yeah. and see how different the crowd reacted, you know. Uh, the yeah. opener, Rocky Romero defeated Clark Connors in 903 with the Diablo armbar. Uh, Rocky is so over to yeah. the the New Japan U.S. crowds. Well, and he's just. Do people oh, sorry, remember him from back when he used to be in ROH years ago, or do they just maybe? You know, but but he's been in New Japan for so long now, oh, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. That like people, I think it's more like just no matter when you started watching, you, you probably love, have. You love Rocky Romero, yeah. and yeah, also, well, Romero. if people are watching the English, you know, feed, you know, they hear him on commentary, and I think he's awesome on the commentary. Uh, I wish they yeah. have on English commentary more often. They might love them for that too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the thing is, American audiences they love them some Rocky Romero. Um, yeah. So yeah. So he won this with the Diablo armbar. Um, he, I love. There was at one point Rocky. So Connors kept chopping Rocky, and he did like a strut away from a drop kick. But then you know he's like doing like the cocky strut, like he's you know just. You know, dodge the drop kick, but he immediately starts selling his chest, like, "Oh, I'm strutting, but oh, this hurts." Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then he, I thought it was really funny too when he did the, uh, you know, the "I'll make you cry" in Japanese, but he did it to an American in America, which I thought was like, like he's like he's talking to an American, and we're in America, and he's doing the his Japanese catchphrase. It's a lot, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, uh, funny. But yeah, Rocky gets the cross arm breaker for an immediate tap out. I thought this was a really fun opener. I went three and a quarter. Yeah, this is a really fun match. I thought, uh, well, yeah, all, all the young line matches on this night were all so fun, like they usually are. Uh, Mikey Nichols. And, oh, sorry, go, what were you going to well, say? Well, except for maybe the next one, but uh, uh, but we'll. Well, you're going to have to take the lead here because Mikey Nichols was Carl Fredericks, which Mikey won in ten minutes with the Mikey bomb. I, I saw the rest of the card and the fact that like there was nothing else I really wanted to miss any of, so I used this as my piss break. And I also found out here that there's a ten dollar card minimum with the twenty three hundred arena, which what fucking arena has a t- card minimum? But uh, just for like concessions, that's like um, I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? I guess one uh, where they're only selling two dollars, they're selling bottles of water for only two dollars instead of six. Like yeah. when I saw a bottle of water was only two bucks, I like nearly 
like like you know, I had to like do a double take, like because the night before Manhattan Center a bottle of water was six dollars. So although I will say uh ten dollars for an angry orchard was maybe it's just my my brain is broken from all the years of stadium and New York pricing, but I was like, wow, only ten dollars. I would have guessed like thirteen or something. Uh uh Mike Nichols and Mike Carl Fredericks. Uh so I didn't see a lot of this. What'd you think of it? Uh crowd like didn't like Mikey Nichols in this match. The Philly crowd was like I mean, I think maybe, you know, he's not I don't think he's like this thing with America is you have to be like if you're not that over, we'll just not like you, I guess. I don't know, like he hasn't really done that much in New Japan yet. So Maybe in a couple of years when he comes back, he'll have getting, gotten a bigger push. He'll get a better reaction. But this show, like the previous show, I think he got a good reaction only because he was teaming with Juice. Here he was by himself. And he, he got booed for most of the match. The crowd was cheering Fredericks. But he, he went with it. He just went with it. And, you know, played, you know, subtle heel for a lot of it. Um, I, there was parts it seemed like the crowd thought Fredericks might win. He, he wasn't going to. Uh, as everyone expected, Nichols won with with the Mikey bomb, and you know shook you know Frederick's hand after the match. After the match, Akai was kind of like, "Yeah, Nichols, you're all right. Yeah, we don't hate you as much as we did before." Yeah, I thought the fifteen sequence was actually pretty good, but I just didn't see enough of the match to rate it. So, uh, before Max- we move on, do you remember? I'm trying to remember now if it was Connors or the next guy. A young lion was out like doing like you know what they do where they stand at ringside you know to you know to like keep fans back or whatever like later in the show and he had a jacket on his neck was bruised all like completely fucked up do you, i'm trying to remember which one it was now do you remember who like got their neck fucked up i don't like, know it was I like completely know. covered in bruises and i was like i'm assuming from an earlier it might have been during this match it might have been coughlin I'm trying to remember who it was. I couldn't remember if it was Coffin or Connors, but I remember a spot but in the Rocky match where where his neck would be all bruised. But the next match was like the best of the Young Lions matches of this night. I oh, I oh, I didn't think so. So that's good. That's just because it was so much because I just thought Archer was awesome because they did the thing where we're going to show... Well let, me, well, let me give the match first before you oh, do okay. that. So Lance Archer beats Alex Coughlin in 8.25 of the EBD Claw. Now go ahead, Quedlin. The crowd decided to to make Archer mad by cheering him. That was the way they booed him, basically, because he he's a, a couple of people cheered for him, and he was like, "Shut up!" So they started chanting Archer and "Let's go Archer" and stuff, and he was getting more and more angry and like, "You, I don't give a shit about any of you," and all that stuff. And I thought that was awesome. I, I love how he just kills all the young lions on his way to the ring, and then just beats the shit out. Of well, them. it's only one guy in it's America. Only, Oh, he yeah. just comes back around and hit the guy again. Yeah, poor guy. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I thought this was a really fun, you know, eight minutes. They had some great spots where Archer went for the choke slam and uh, uh, Coffin like rolled him up, and and he Coglin. Coglin is that how you pronounce it? Coglin. Yeah, Kevin Kelly corrected us on an airing last like a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. So like, Coglin. Coglin. Yeah, rolled him up. That was a great spot. I thought. This was a really fun, nice little Young Lions match. Young I only Lions went three stars never. on it. I didn't like it as much as you did. I thought Archer didn't okay. sell enough for Coughlin compared to how he did for Carl, but it was fine. I liked it. Next match, Amazing Red defeated Red Narita in 857 with the code red. Um, okay, match was pretty solid. Here's where the two idiots in our section really drove me crazy. 
had mm-hmm. these two fucking fans, okay, that were not not technically intersection actually because we were in the we were at the very end of the row in row three in the north section, um, row three. Uh, like seats 21, 22, I think. And they're in the front row of the Northwest section, which is like one of these weird like corner sections. So they were like basically directly next to us almost like, you know, we walk like a minute and we'd be at their section. So, you know, not a minute, like a second, I should say. So these two guys, they've been, they were very much in the American wrestling fan stereotype of, you know, treating the, the fucking show like it's their own open mic night. And it's like, mm-hmm. nobody is coming to a fucking wrestling show to hear you, okay? No one cares about your stupid jokes, which 99% of them weren't even funny. The funniest people in the crowd are always the people who have come up with one really funny joke with with great timing. Like, there's one in the main event that I'll, that I'll mention that was really, really funny. But those people pick their fucking spot, and they come up with one really funny joke, and they shut the fuck up the rest of the night. These two idiots, and just like many of the idiots who do open mic night, were just fucking shouting stupid shit all goddamn night. And they weren't they were not being like offensive or anything. Like they weren't shouting like, you know, racist or homophobic shit or anything like that. Like those, you know, like the thing we talked about from New York. But just the mm-hmm. dumbest fucking shit. Like at one point they just during this match they just started yelling for Vader time. Like what does that have to do with anything? At the top of their lungs to the point where no one laughed. Yeah. Everyone just looked at him like Buddy, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he like apologized because no one laughed at that. In fact, there was like a silence. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, like they're just the dumbest fucking idiots. And look, and, and, and again, if and by, I don't think they were drunk, I think they were just being stupid. If by chance these people listen, because the Vader time thing will make it very obvious who you were, you're a fucking moron. And you hurt my enjoyment of the show at certain points, especially like they were at their worst during this match for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they were bad pretty much the entire night. You hurt my enjoyment of the show. You hurt probably lots of people's enjoyment of the show. Next time, just come to the fucking show and cheer for the wrestlers and fucking enjoy yourself without making a fucking goddamn spectacle of yourself. It's not. Oh, it's not open mic night. This is not your fucking comedy routine. Shut the fuck up. No one's laughing. No, no one's, one's laughing. Start laughing. You can just keep making your jokes, but no one's going to start laughing, buddy. It's like, at the very least, be funny. You weren't even remotely funny. I don't think I chuckled at a single goddamn joke the entire night that they made. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, red one with the code red. The match is pretty solid. I would go three stars. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing. Not a lot to say about this one. It was fine. No. I didn't really. I maybe really, loved, really love Narita. Um, yeah. He got the biggest reaction, I think, of the Young Lions that night. So, yeah. Uh, then we got into some good shit here, and this is where this is where the card got like, um, you know, where, where I think the card really separated itself from New York. Up. The yeah. undercard, the undercard tags here, I thought were really good. First of all, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Shingo Takagi defeated Juice Robinson and Rapungi 3K uh, in 11:45 when Sonata submitted Yo with the skull end. Once again, Lij was very over. Uh, especially Naito, who like was just ridiculously over again. Um, Juice Robinson was also extremely over, which he he did not used to be. So yeah. he's very over now, and he was very fired up too when he got in the ring. Um, the Shingo and Show had like a, a short meeting towards the start that was very cool because you know remember their history. Yeah, I thought they'd make a big deal of that, but it didn't really. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I think it's kind of over now. Uh, for, for now, at least it'll it'll yeah. come back one day. I think, but. But now they're in different uh, divisions, so it's going to be a little while. Yeah. 
I really love Nitro making fun of the juice pose. That was like yeah. one of my favorite parts. Is that, like he kept doing the the arm thing. Like every time he'd like get alone with juice or he'd like be staring at juice, he would just start like doing the arm thing and going like juice, juice, juice. Nitro making fun of people's poses is the greatest. I love when Nitro gets to do that. So um people really love the paradise lock. Like I know that that annoys some people listening, I'm sure, but people absolutely love that fucking stupid paradise lock. Like they went crazy when he got him in that paradise lock, and then like built the crowd up through the drop kick. But uh, I don't know. Did you expect the, that move to be that over? Uh, I thought it'd be over, but not that over. But... Yeah, I mean, people went really nuts for that. Uh, this got the only "This is Awesome" chant of the night, which felt a little, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little overblown maybe. And I don't even like the chant in general, but still, it shows that people really into the match. And then pretty quickly after that, Sonata tapped out Yo. Um, this this one I really wish had just gotten more time because like this have been this was like so good while it lasted. And I think if you gave this another five or ten minutes, it would have even gotten to like four star territory. But I went three and a half. I really enjoyed it, and you know, I thought this was a really good match. Yeah, this is a fun match. I agree. Uh, the next match: Kota Ibushi and TJP being defeated by Evil and Bushi in eleven twenty three when Evil pinned TJP with the Evil. Um, Again, this was a really fast-paced and fun tag team match. Uh, Evil, Evil was very over. Huh? TJP was booed out of the building again, and he did not work heel at all in this match. No. So you can't even say he was working heel and leaning into it. Like he was trying to work as a babyface because he was teaming with Kota Ibushi, I guess. And the crowd just would not have any of it. They just booed him the entire time because yeah. he, he didn't do anything heel since match, right? No. I don't think. He, not that I remember. No. Um, Bushi was very popular. Like I, this is the most I can remember the crowd ever cheering Bushi, and they even chanted for him a yeah. few times during this match. I never remember them doing that in the past. Um, but yeah, and he split the mist into Bushi's face, which the crowd went nuts for the mist. Um, and then Evil hit the Evil on TJP for the pin. I went three and a half on this one too. I thought this, these were two really fun tag team matches back to back. Yeah. No other thoughts uh, on him. No, I was just I was I was happy Bushy got his champ because I think Bushy doesn't get as much love as he deserves. But uh Yeah. This no oh, the crowd really liked the LIJ team here in general and Coda at one like when, well, at one point when the famous chanting fans are chanting for evil, like I tweeted this at the time. I was like, Coda Bushy seems mad at us for chanting for evil. Like he just turned like he's like gave us like a look like at yeah. the crowd, like, what's wrong with you? Oh but, yeah, there was something that those guys were, were the only ones in the in the in the show cheering crowd cheering TJP, if you remember. Those yes. two not, to the point where TJP actually turned around and like, blew him a kiss or something. Yeah. They, were, they, they kept chanting for him, I guess, just because, I don't know. It's like, yeah, oh, but they're also men's rights guys. Or maybe they just thought, it'll be funny if we cheer the guy. I, because they, they didn't start chanting to him until like, after the crowd had been booing him forever. I think it's like, oh, it'd be cool if we cheer for the guy that everyone hates. Let's do that. I don't think... Yeah. Ever, I mean, maybe it did, but I don't think it ever did that. But look, they're just dipshits. I mean, we're already they just, they just want to be trolls either way, and I think that's what they were just doing. Yeah. Uh, the main event, the elimination match, uh, it was Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and the Rock and Roll Express against the Bullet Club, Jay White, Kenta, God, Chase Owens, and Gato. Um, they said something weird when they announced the rules because they did. They did say it was going to be over the top rope rules, which I was really hoping you they would. You mentioned this, but I didn't hear them say what you thought they said, so I must have oh. been listening. But they said something like it's going to be two people starting, and then when one person gets eliminated, another one comes in, which made it sound like it was going to be gauntlet style. And I was like, "What the yeah. fuck?" 
But like, I, I don't even know if New Japan's ever done that. I mean, they probably have done a gaunt, they've done gauntlet matches, I think, but I don't know if they've done it with the over the top rope or not. Uh, but it, that turned out to be wrong anyway. So there was no yeah. gauntlet style. Um, so the rock and rolls, first of all, were way more over than they were in New York. Like, it wasn't even close. Yeah. They, when they came out, the crowd went nuts for them. So I don't know why that was, but this crowd was just so much more into the rock and roll. Maybe because they were in the main event. They weren't coming out right after Naito. Um, I don't know. They could have been, or maybe just Philly likes them more. I, yeah. I don't know. It's very weird. There were a number of factors that could have led to it. But. Yeah, but they were like, they were very, very, they were cheered a lot in Philly. Um, poor Yoshiashi got booed again coming out, which was fucked up. Mm. Um, and then, so basically, go, <laughs> at one point, Goto got Tanahashi and even the Rock and Roll Express to do that weird pose that he likes to do. You know, where he sticks both hands out and goes like, hey, because I guess based on some kind of fucking sushi commercial or something. Mm. But didn't you think that was really funny? When he yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tamatanga dabbed at one point. I don't know why. Uh, and this is also where I noted Robert Gibson. He has like a great, like disgusted or outraged face because like at one point Gato tried to go over and give him the two sweet and he looked like he was about to throw up. <laughs> yeah. so, he's just like, ah, oh, how dare you? Um, Ricky Morton got a hot tag from Tanahashi. That was really cool. And then Gato was the first one eliminated about 10 minutes in uh, over the top rope by the Rock and Roll Express. Then we saw Ricky Morton hit the Canadian Destroyer, which did yeah. you know he could do that? Because I no. heard about that already. I heard about I, that already. I heard so, I, about that, so I, I was shocked. Yeah. And the crowd was shocked too because everybody went completely nuts for that. Um, but then Jay White immediately dumped him over the top rope. Yeah. So that was a great heel spot for Jay White, and the crowd was very angry. Uh, and then Gibson got rolled up by Chase Owens right after, so that made it five on four Bullet Club. Uh, and then Yoshi tossed Tangaloa over the top, but then. So Yoshi tossed, tossed him over the top rope, but in the most Yoshiashi thing possible, he celebrated for too long, and Tamatanga dumped him from behind. But, um, but yeah, there is something else. So Jado, um, who the fuck did he, oh, I, I got my note wrong here. Jado pulled somebody off the apron to eliminate them. Oh, was it, well, it was Yoshi, right? Yeah, yeah, because it was so someone pulled, that wasn't in the match that pulled him off. Yeah, yeah. So Yoshi got pulled off the off the apron to eliminate him, which I couldn't believe counted. Like the referee's heads back turned and and turned around, saw him on the floor. He's like, "Oh, I guess you went over." Ding, ding. I'm like, "What? How, you didn't even see it. Red shoes. You didn't even see him hit go over the top rope. How do you know he's eliminated?" Yeah. But anyway, uh, but yeah, then Kenta and Ishii uh, both and uh, the, oh, so after that, so basically. Ishii takes the ref and Tomatong is on the apron and then Yoshihashi pulls Tom off the apron to the floor and pays him back. The crowd went insane for that. Yeah. The people like, got... were, were slapping his hand, hugging him. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah, that was like the most over Yoshihashi's ever been probably. Yeah. <laughs> like the crowd was so happy They're when he like, did that. that. That'll do Yoshihashi. That'll do. <laughs> and then Kenta and Ishii... Um, both end up on the apron. They had a form exchange and eliminate each other. They both fell down. And then later um, in the they, match, they were going at it again. Like they kept, they brawled all the way to the back. They yeah, brawled and brawled and brawled. So they went all the way to the back, and I assume that's going to be your next Never Title match. You know, Ishii getting his rematch, probably at Power Struggle or that uh, showdown in San Jose show. Um, after that, Goto eliminated White, but then Chase immediately eliminated him from behind. And then it Tanahashi. Pretty obviously, when it was those four left who was winning this and how it was going to go, 
yeah. but like who's going to be last because they do usually like to end these type of matches with a pinfall. So yeah. I'm like, okay, so Chase is going to have to take the pin because White isn't going to get pinned to end the match. He's going to get thrown to the top rope, but it was still great. And so, yeah, then Tanahashi pinned Chase with the high fly flow. With the high um, fly flow. Yeah, which is the crowd got to see that. The crowd went nuts for that. And again, yeah. we, we didn't mention this again, but again, Tanahashi was like the most over guy in the world here. Yeah. But they loved him. And he got to do his thing because, you know, he started to leave the ring and he. Wait a second. So the match itself, three and three quarters. I thought it was okay. really good. Yeah. Um, so Tanahashi, he he start he says, Listen, I have a dream. I have a dream. Oh no, but, and then but one You're forgetting sorry. when he did the thing where he teased he was gonna leave the ring. Or was that after that? Without the or did yeah. he cut the promo first? Okay, I think, was, I, I think you're right. All right, keep going. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't what I think you're right. What 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 did he tease? He started crawling out like he's leaving. See you guys later, going to the back, and everyone was like, Wait, no, oh, as he said, and then he started Good. He he was leaning under the ropes. He put his head out of the ring. Boo! Put it back in. Yay! Boo! <laughs> Yay! Boo! They started chanting air guitar. Air guitar. Yeah. They wanted that air guitar sold. And before I forget, there's something else we didn't mention about the night before. Uh, how over Okada's shorts were, if you remember. Yeah. Well, Okada they, in they, general they, was, they, was When so... they built up to him taking off his... They, they did the... Oh, the, the crowd in Japan don't really make as much noise about it anymore. But yeah. I, New York hadn't seen it yet, I guess. So, But anyway, continue what you were saying. I, we should mention in general, Okada was also extremely yes, over. Extremely Probably over. the most over guy on the show. On the, yeah, on the Friday, on the Saturday show. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like super. On the super Sunday over. show, the biggest pop, I mean, it is pretty close. I think might have been for Ishii for a filler. Well, Naito was there to, up there. But too. Naito was up there, and so was Tanahashi. Yeah. But, uh, but I think Ishii might have been the the biggest. I don't know, but it is it's 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 a close one between those three. Uh, so Tanahashi says, "Listen, I have a dream. I have a dream." And the some guy in the crowd starts chanting, "MLK, MLK." Yeah. I, was really well, I don't know what. It, I mean, in in America, when you say that, that's what you think. Yeah. Of, I, think. <laughs> I mean, in Japan, that's probably there's no one that probably delivered a famous speech called "I have a dream" in Japan. <laughs> So you translate it into English, and you're thinking, "Oh, I have a dream," and they'd be like, "Well, that there's only one thing you can think of when you hear that if you're raised in the right uh, school system that taught you certain things." But, uh, but yeah, it's that guy started chanting for MLK. That's my hero. Yeah. He was so funny. But then Tanahashi's like, "No, his dream is to play air guitar at the Rock and Roll Rock, Express." Rock and Roll Express, because the crowd exploded for. They were so happy yeah. to hear that, and. Out the Rock and Roll Express came, and that that is a moment I'll probably never forget. That I took pictures of that scene. Ricky, I saw Ricky Morton lead a crowd in a New Japan chant. Yeah, can you imagine? In 2019, explain to somebody that in 2019 in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fucking funny. Explain to some. Go back ten years and tell somebody. Ten years from now, Ricky Morton's gonna lead a crowd in Philadelphia and a New Japan chant. Well, go back to like like, 2003 when they did the didn't Ring of Honor bring in them in the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette for a big tag nostalgia tag match in like 2003 and like like in 16 years they're gonna be back in this uh, city but getting leading a New Japan chant. And people probably be like, they're going to still be wrestling in 16 years. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, and he's going to do a Canadian Destroyer. And they'd be like, what's that? But uh, uh <laughs> No, I think that might have been. Then, I yeah, it, I think it might have existed. Yeah. It might have, but it was probably, you know, but uh, yeah, that, that was an awesome way to end the show. Uh show went a perfect, like, just short of three hours. Perfect yeah. length. 
for that show. I was so happy to see one of those elimination matches live. I've always wanted to see those, and it did not disappoint. Sitting from the I third saw row, one. I saw I, one in twenty sixteen. Yeah, you've only yeah. mentioned that like eight thousand four hundred forty six <laughs> times, but thank you. This was better though than that. Yeah, one I, I know. So. I like and, this one. And better. I finally got to see Tanahashi win at a show because it seems like every time I go to, to a show live, it's your Tanahashi always loses. But he won the main event here. He he shook hands to everybody, kissed babies, and all that stuff. And something I need to say about the Philly show we haven't mentioned yet, which I really noticed leaving the building as I was walking around trying to find the bathroom and stuff. For an American pro wrestling show, I have never seen this many women. Yeah. An American now now. Is it still mostly men? Of course. But for an American yeah, like wrestling show, it wasn't like Japan. But yeah. usually like it's like 5% women or something. Here, it might have been like almost one in six, maybe even one in five. And there I was going to say like, there, 20, like 20% or something. Yeah, one in five. Yeah, yeah. And there, and, and it wasn't and, – and at those shows, it's usually the only women there are the ones dragged by their boyfriends. Maybe you'll get one or two girls that are fans. But I saw a lot of girls there that weren't with anyone but – just like in, sitting in front of us with two women who were not with guys or anything. They were there for themselves. They were there together to watch the show. They had their New Japan shirts on. And there were a lot of women there. They're just so New Japan is doing the thing that WWE definitely can't do these days. And a lot of wrestling companies in America can't do. And that's draw women more than any, any other wrestling promotion, from what I can say. Yeah. That's just I mean, something Japan, I noticed. I, it just shocked me how many women there, there were at the show. Wearing mm. New Japan merch, so they're fans. They're not there because their boyfriend took them. They're there because they're fans of New Japan. Yeah, I mean, obviously in Japan, I mean, you go to a DDT show, it's like one out of five is a guy or something. Some shows, Dragon yeah. Gate is like a ton of women, but in America, it's almost always guys. But a lot of women. Yeah. Express that show. Um. So yeah. So that was the show. I thought this was better than New York. I thought this was like a really good Corican. Basically, that's how yeah. this felt like a really yeah. fun cork. And, and look, I, if they brought these shows back, I would go every fucking time. Yeah, me too. Like, this is so much fun. Like in third, especially from third row, which look, that might have been part of why I liked it better in New York. We had way better seats. Mm. We were right in the third row for this. But I just, I still think this show was better. Yeah. yeah. All right. So coming up next Monday, New Japan New Road. Road. Same from tag October match. 7th. All right, well, I'm going to go gonna, over Are you going to give the up. entire card? Yeah, let me just give it real quick. So it's the, the the actual tour is October fourth and fifth first, but we're not those two shows are not airing. So it's next Monday is the show that's airing. Um, it's going to be the opener is going to be Tenzan, Kojima, and Uemura against Nagata, Nakanishi, and Yoda Suji. Then we have Toa Hanari versus Shingo Takagi. That could be really good, actually, one on one. Then Jushin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask against Minoru Suzuki and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Tomiho Ishii, and Rapungi 3K against Yujiro Takahashi. Taiji Ishimori, Gato, and, J- and Jado. So I guess Jay White has to show off because Goto's got nobody to fight there. Then we have Naito and Bushi against Taichi and Doki. And then the semi-main is a Hiroshi Tanahashi 20th anniversary match. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomiyaki Honma, and Yoshihashi against Togi Makabe, Toriyano, and Ryusuke Taguchi. And the main event, Okada and Ibushi and Evil against Evil and Sonata once again. It'll be interesting to see if Evil and Sonata win again or if Okada and Ibushi get the win there. But so that's one week before King of Pro Wrestling on October 14th. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that uh, probably in two weeks on the show. I'm sure we'll do an episode including King of Pro Wrestling. We have Okada Sonata for the heavyweight title. 
Ibushi Evil for the title shot, Moxley versus Juice for the U.S. title and a no DQ match, uh, Will Ospreay versus Fantasmo for the junior title, Liger versus Suzuki. So five big singles matches on top, and then below that you got a bunch of tags. Uh, Naito matched up with ZSJ, which is interesting. Uh, Goto and Jay White continuing their build. And Tai Chi. Yeah, and Tai Chi. Another Tanahashi anniversary match and the El Desperado comeback match. I cannot wait to see Despy back in the ring. Are you excited for that too? Yes, I'm excited to see Desperado back. I'm excited to see Naito and Taichi tangle again. The the Junior Tag League starts only two days after that. Yeah. uh, October 16th in Corican. So I wonder if they're going to wait all the way till Power Struggle or wait all the way to uh, King of Pro Wrestling to announce the teams again. Or if they might announce them before that, because two days is not a lot of time. If they're so having say. trouble selling tickets to uh, Junior Tag League, if they want to make a big impact, they could announce a team of a certain Bushi and a certain person to represent Lij. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know also, I want to mention. I want to okay. mention too. I know who you mean Hiromu Takahashi, buddy. Yes. But if they if, ma- if Bushi doesn't find someone, Lij doesn't have a team in the tournament. It's true. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, so I want to mention, too, they add three more dates to the New Japan schedule recently. The Road to Tokyo Dome is going to be three Corkin shows. I don't think that was the case last year. I'm going to check that, actually. Yeah, I, think, I don't think um, they were three straight. The, in December? So it's, yeah, so it's December. So the, the Tag League final is December 8th, and then there's 11 days off, and then they come back with Road to Tokyo Dome December, Thursday the 19th, Friday the 20th, and Saturday the 21st. Uh, and then there's another few weeks off, and then we get the Wrestle Kingdom 14 in Tokyo Dome on January 4th and 5th. And then we have New Year's Dash on January 6th. This year from the Oda Gym instead of from Corrigan Hall, yeah. which can hold about 4,000 fans. So trying to you know, cool. get some more fans into into the building, I guess. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to check that thing about the... Buddy, don't try to rush up the air. We still got to do the questions. Oh, okay. So calm down. But yeah, so what are you most looking forward to for King of Pro Wrestling? I think for me, it's actually the uh, Liger-Suzuki match, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, to answer my own question, by the way, the Road to Tokyo Dome was two Corkins last year instead of three. So they, did add, they added a third show, basically. So there you go. Um, let's get into the questions here, because I got a bunch. Basically, so I still have the DDT segment that I'm going to put at the end, basically, but because almost all the questions were about New Japan anyway, I just figured we'll do the questions, and then I'll tack on my uh, solo DDT segment. So, uh, Jose Serenel, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your name, buddy. Do you see Roosh, now that he's the ROH champ, reigniting ROH and New Japan's relationship, or anyone for that matter? No, I don't think... Anything will reignite. I think that thing is dead. Bully Ray might have just yeah. sabotaged your fucking show, buddy. I don't think. I think uh, it's dead. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I agree. Yeah, if it turns out that's what happened, then yeah, it's dead. Beth at Love Songwriter. Why are people mean to Yoshihashi? I I don't know. What do you think, Quinlan? I don't get it either. I, oh, I, we talked about it earlier. Maybe he's just not that cool. I don't know. I really I don't really get it. I don't know the. I could understand if they had no reaction, but I don't. I don't get why they're booing him. Um, also, would you have preferred New Japan to come over with more marquee matches, or is the Road Two format good for U.S. shows? See, I'm fine with the Road Two format because I like the seeing them. In, yeah. I like seeing them in a smaller building. Yeah, if like they want to do a big show here once in a while, that's fine too. I'll, yeah, I'll but like. But if they're going to do a big show, it's going to, like, if, if people expect a Dominion level card, it's not going to be in Hammerstein. 
Time Ballroom or 2300 Arena. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. Be, no, I agree. Yeah, so like that's one of that. That's why I think people are a little weird about that. Uh, at, at Andrews Vilster, I have been following New Japan since January 2017. And I want to watch more Japanese promotions. Which promotions would you recommend? I would recommend DDT, which I think is a really, really fun company as far as like, you know, if you like to watch stuff that's more lighthearted and like has a lot of comedy. If you're only looking for serious wrestling, um, All Japan's a good one to try out because, you know, the wrestling style is very similar anyway. So I think it's an easy one to jump right into. Um, if you want to see more junior heavyweight style, you have Dragon Gate. Um, you know, if you if you want to see like, I think more like... I guess you have Pro Wrestling Noah, which I'm really behind on, but that has... There's also Stardom. Don't forget. Oh, hold on. I'm going, trying to go for the male ones first. Wow, okay. <laughs> and then we have... Yeah, then... God, you made me lose my train of thought. Thank you. Oh, and Big Japan, which has, like, some death matches and some strong style matches. And then, and then yes, there's a lot of Joshi promotions. There's Stardom, which I would definitely recommend checking out. It's very accessible to, um, Amer- to American fans because you have the Stardom World Service... And there's translations on there with subtitles. Uh, there's also Sendai Girls. There's uh, Ice Ribbon, Tokyo Joshi. You know, there's a lot of companies. But I would recommend, you know, the easiest one to access with DDT Universe and Stardom World or DDT and Stardom and All Japan because they have All Japan TV. So that's a good place to start. And, you know, they, and the Stardom even has, like, subtitles that will help a lot. Uh, at RBX2000. What night at the Dome does Tana and the Rock and Roll Express challenge for the Never Belts in the main event? I don't know. I think that's not happening, but <laughs> maybe if they maybe it'll defend in America, we'll get a, a match for that there. But I don't think in Japan. As a, as a joke question, I think anyway. Mm. At yesterday dances, who do I have to fight? Who booed Yoshihashi? A lot, of, a lot of people. Yeah, like all of the Hammerstein Ballroom and all the ECW ring. <laughs> at Thor, not all of them, like half. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Thoros, uh, who I saw at the Philly show, shout to Thoros. Shouldn't everyone feel obligated to apologize to Tanahashi for sliding the Philly card? I guess we should. We're very sorry, yeah. Tanahashi. I never slide uh, the Philly card, so I don't have to apologize for shit. <laughs> okay. I, I was looking forward to that card because it had that elimination match that I loved. And now, for the first time this week, those are all Twitter questions. Now um, we have a channel in the Super Jcast discord server they just gave us a channel which is really cool so i asked people in there if they want to you know ask some questions so here's some questions for them from user ttt i was at the super j cup in long beach i was curious what the lines for the meet and greet and merch were like also were other indies there promoting their own shows i didn't see the indies promoting their own shows did you see any no because usually they hand out flyers. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see any. The meet and greets, I didn't we weren't there for the meet and greets. They did them early and we were at the we went to the two meetups. So we didn't see the meet and greet lines. But the, the merch lines were gigantic. Yeah, I mean, like really, really, really big. Um and then he said, I'm also curious if we go to more New Japan shows if they don't bring as many names, a la the new beginning USA tour earlier in the year. Um, I mean, I would pretty much go to anything if it's in New York, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, the new beginning in USA shows were supposed to have more people originally, people forget. Yeah, people but even then, it wouldn't, no. it wouldn't have been as many as this show. But still, I, I mean, I would have gone to that if it was here. Yeah, if it was nearby. Um, yeah. Xavier Ramirez. Question. Have you or your guest watched any of the three falling anime, Berserk, Devilman Crybaby, Devil Cry and Demon Slayer, a.k.a. Kimitsu no Yabi? 
Yaba. I'm sorry, Yaba. And if you haven't, you definitely should. I haven't watched any of the three. You know the answer to that question for me. You better know. Well, I know of one of them. You know I fucking love me, my berserk. Uh, Yeah. I've heard good things about – what was the middle one? Devil Man Crybaby. I've heard of that. I've heard really good things about Demon Slayer. I fucking love berserk with, like, all my my body and soul. And if anyone who wants to say anything past, like, where the anime stopped and the manga is shit, you can go fuck yourself. I think it's awesome. Um, well, no, I don't, I don't, people do, the anime, the, the manga still, it, it, it falls down a little bit, but it, it gets, it picks up, he gets, you get a whole new cast to surround Guts, and Berserk does have the most, um, not only the most badass main character of any series, but also the main character. One time I was on some message board where someone asked, oh, in, in all of anime and manga, which character deserves the most pity? And people started giving like questions like Shinji and Evangelion. And someone just said Guts and Berserk, discussion over. And everyone basically was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's been through more shit than the main character of Berserk. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Berserk's awesome. I know you don't watch it or read it, John, but uh, yeah. Berserk? I do I do know that it's it's uh, the creator's obsessed for Idolmaster to the point where yeah, uh, every time they announce... Every time they announce a new Idol Master game, yeah. it's like, like the A3 that one time I just remember a tweet like, "It's weird that Sony announced a Berserk delay at their at their press conference yeah, today." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like an Idol Master game. Yeah, that's not just a joke. That's it's real. Like if if Idol Master comes out, well, you're gonna be waiting a while for your Berserk. But I'll give him one thing: even though it takes forever to release new chapters, whenever he does a chapter, he goes all out. The art is amazing. He doesn't hang back and. Like because I know there was a time a certain uh, hunter hunter would go on delays and when he would come back like a lot of panels would be like fucking stick figures and scribbles. <laughs> now, now to be fair, I think he was going through some health issues at the time. Oh, okay. And draws well. I, that's what I heard. I'm not sure. Like back problems. But but Berserk is really detailed. Whenever he does a new chapter, it's 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 awesome. But uh, yeah. So okay. I guess yeah. Joe Gagne, how, given the success of the New Japan Northeast shows, how soon would you come back? Would you make this a yearly September run? I would do. I would like to see them do at least one of these like mini tours every year, and I think the Northeast yeah. is a great place to do it. So I would try to make this a yearly thing. I like the idea of doing like one or two big shows, and then like one or two of these smaller tours, maybe. But yeah, I would do this annually because I, you know, the fans seem to really like it. Other than the unfortunate New York delay and maybe some people with inflated expectations, but I would do this again. I think the I really like these these types of shows. We have another question like this, so I'll save some of my thoughts for that. But shout out to Joe Gagne. Hopefully, have me back on the five star match game sometime. Uh, Dakota Ibushi, which I love the great name by that guy, by the way. Um, if Naito wins a mini tournament at Wrestle Kingdom to get both belts, how do you see it happening? The big character questions I have are, does he embrace or discard the IC title afterward? Does he need to embrace or completely rid himself of the Stardust Genius to win the title? I.e., is he hitting a Stardust press in Okada to win the match? What do you think, Gwendolyn? I. Why are you asking me this first? I don't know. Why not? You know, you know I'm worried that that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, what do you think if it does happen? Is he going to embrace the IC title or get rid of it? Um... I don't know. I thought I thought he was going to embrace the IC title by now, but if he's going for the world title too, then I don't know. I I don't know where that goes. I'm I'm guessing he does embrace it eventually. 
I'm not sure yeah. if it's there, but I think he does. And I, and I think he and I don't think he will go for the Stardust Press. I think that's I think that was the reason why he lost the 2018 match. I think he's done with that. Yeah, yeah, I think he's done with that. Uh, Mark says, okay, the similar question. Would you rather have New Japan continue these weekend uh, house show tours in the U.S. along with a show like MSG? I'll go back to 2017, 2018, where they had one to three shows, but they all meant something. Look, here's where I'm going to take issue at you, Mark. <laughs> the 2018 shows, I was at Strong Style Evolved, um, which was the, what's it called? The, uh, the, the, the show in March or whatever, then Long Beach. That show was not that much much better than these cards. I mean, look, it had that Young Bucks Omega Ibushi match that people loved, and I, I thought it was really good too, actually. But like, it had a U.S. title match with Jay White and um, and Hangman Page. A lot of people didn't really seem to care for that much. I actually think I was actually one of the higher people on it. And then other than that, was a bunch of tags. So I mean, it really was not that big of a difference. People complained about that card too and said it was a fucking Corican card, which you know I think was overblown at the time. But people complained about that card too. Um, the one in September in Long Beach, whatever the fuck it was called, uh, was it Fighting Spirit Unleashed again, I think, right? I mean, that, again, that had a U.S. title match, so similar to, like, a never title match here with Cody and Juice, which people didn't like. It had, I don't even remember what else it had. I mean, the main event, again, was a tag match building up King of Pro Wrestling. It was Omega and uh, Omega and Ibushi against Ishii and Okada, I think, right? Something like sure. that. But yeah, I mean, it was like a it was a match to build up the uh, uh, yeah it was a it was like a build up match or something. It was just a nothing tag match. I mean, the people again liked that tag match, but it was not like this big fucking show that you know was like it, you weren't getting Dominion. I mean, people act like you got Dominion. You did not get Dominion. The closest thing we got to getting Dominion was MSG, basically. This year, which we, which we still had to share half a Ring of Honor card, so I don't buy the idea that these shows in America used to be way bigger before this tour. This tour had some other little shows attached to it that were like, um, you know, the, the Friday and the Sunday shows were much more like you know co- Road to Corican's, except you know Friday had a tag title match, but the Saturday show, I mean, again, it was a tag match made event, just like the one in September last time. Never title match semi-main, which is very comparable to a U.S. title match semi-main, and then a bunch of tags. So I don't – there really wasn't that big of a difference. So I prefer they come over more so I can see them more. That's pretty much my opinion. Um, the real Forno, if Naito wins the mini tournament, does this neat big moment need to happen by beating Okada? Uh, I don't think it – I don't really care. His big moment can happen by beating anybody as far as I'm concerned. I don't know, Quinlan, do you disagree? Uh, it could be either one. Yeah. Yeah, Leon Shade, who do you think is really talented and would shine in a different company but is not successful in their current company, a.k.a. which Puro guys would be best served by jumping ship? It's a good question. Uh, Small Doink added hard mode. You can't answer the above question with Godo, which is a very easy answer. Probably people think he'd do really well in, like, all Japan. Um I don't know if there's anybody in New Japan that jumps out at me as like would you really be super successful outside the company. Is there anybody that jumps out at you? Uh, Naito, maybe. Naito would be well. He'd be the biggest star in any other company. It's true. Yeah. Uh, give him a world title run there. So. Well, he could. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of any. If there's anyone else who like really smacks me in the face. Is like, I don't know. I mean, if you could put. <sighs> You could put like someone like Evil in another company. He'd probably be like 
close to close to the top star. Yeah. But I don't know, that's just the depth New Japan has. Um there's in all Japan, I could see someone I wonder if like Jake I always think like maybe Jake Lee his charisma isn't good enough to be like a top all Japan star, but he always strikes me as a guy that might have like a funny side to him. So maybe Jake Lee to DDT, maybe he'd be like, you know, one of these guys that like could be a really good wrestler, but still have that comedic element to them. Um, I mean, that's a, that's just a total guess on my part though. A lot of people also say Taguchi for, or Higuchi for DDT, but um, you know, I'm not sure if that's a good one or not, because I think he is, um, you know, I think he's actually fits him better with DET than people act like. Um, I would always love, I've always wanted to see Hideki Suzuki New Japan run. So I'm going to give that one. Hideki, go to New Japan and just tear through the roster. That would be awesome. Uh, Ice Age coming. They aren't going to do this, but it, which is a shame since it would rule. Uh, what do you think? How do you think an Asuka KOD open with title reign would go? I'm biased, but to me, she strikes me as the person with the biggest number of exciting potential matches. I think I think her title reign would go for awesome, and I'm, I'd be really excited to see it. And Quinn, they're not talking about the WWE Asuka, just for the record, but yeah. different Asuka. Uh, and then, I, so I would love to see it. I think it would go really, really well. But I wouldn't be so quick to say they would never do it. I mean, I think they, they easily could do it down the line. And the, the, like trying to show her as like a, a potential rival for Takashita uh, is you know, maybe makes you think they might have some kind of plans for her. And then finally, the last question from Liam D. McCann. Why is Gorgeous Matsuno the ace of Piro? And he says, follow-up, why hasn't Matsuno inserted himself into the most prestigious double title match in Piro? I don't know, but he definitely is the ace, and I'm about to talk about uh, how great Gorgeous Matsuno was on the DET show, or you're about to hear me talk about it because I've already talked about it, which the magic of audio. So, Quedlin. Uh, I know you're in a big rush to get off the air as you keep texting me during these questions. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me your plugs? I don't have any plugs. Plug your Twitter. Oh, uh, what is it again? It's I, I'm underscore not underscore Quinlan. There you go. Okay. So, folks, that's it for Quinlan. I'm going to be back in just a second through the magic of audio to talk about the DDT Corkin show. So hang on tight. And we'll be back right back at you with the DT Corican. Uh, before I do that, I want to mention, so even though it's going to add, add to Quinlan's anger, because I realized I didn't talk about it at the end of the Corican. If I met you at the Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows this past weekend or at the meetups, uh, thank you so much for coming up and saying hi. I know I met Haley. Um, God, the guy who sat in front of us didn't say, didn't give us his name, but uh, if you are, you said you were a listener, if you know the guy who sat in front of us in Philly that said, hey, that was awesome. Uh, a whole bunch of people at the meetup, a bunch of people that we ran into at uh, the meetups, I should say. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, seeing a bunch everybody. of yeah. a bunch of people that we ran into at the shows. So yeah, very cool. If you if you ever meet me, you know, ever see me at a show or anything, you know, I love hearing from listeners. So thank you so much if you came up and said hey, that was really cool. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and I'm gonna insert like some a little musical interlude here, and then I'll be right back talking the DT Corican. So, talk to you in a sec. Bye.
Hey folks, we're back here with what's going to be our first attempt at a solo review on Wrestling Omakase. Uh, so you probably just finished, unless you skipped it I guess, finished listening to me and Quinlan talk about the two Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows. As I sit here and record this, I haven't recorded that with him yet. I'm going to right after. So it's one of these weird situations where thanks to the magic of radio, uh, you're hearing this second, but I'm recording it first. So hopefully that thing with Quinlan was great, and you just heard a great uh, review of the two Fighting Spirit and Lee shows. Uh, here we're trying something new. We're trying a solo review on Omakase for the first time ever. This is because, you know, first of all, Quinlan doesn't really watch DDT. Um, second of all, you know, I wasn't sure with my weekend schedule when I would even watch the Corkin. and ended up being like pretty much right before this. Um, or before I'm recording this because I took off from work today since I knew I was going to get home really late on Sunday. But, so I didn't really want to, I didn't feel comfortable lining up a guest and being like, well, you basically have to be on call for whenever I'm ready to record on on, DD, on the DDT Corrigan. So we're going to try this as a one-time thing. You know, hopefully it goes well. Uh, you can let me know, you know, in the feedback if you like the solo reviews and maybe we can do, you know, another one in the future um, you know, when the, the guest might be on who ta- and they, they might not be into a certain promotion that I still want to talk about. So we'll see if we do this again. It might just be a one-week thing. Also note, I did not have time to watch the NOAA uh, N1 final, which I had mentioned last week that I wanted to do on a like a solo review as well. So that didn't happen. Uh, I promise we'll talk about NOAA sometime on this show. For Sumo Hall, for sure. I promise. And I still plan to watch the N1 finals. I just didn't have time to do it before recording this show. So, let's talk about DDT, September 29th, Who's Gonna Top? I think you just heard a computer noise. Sorry about that if you did. Um, DDT, Who's Gonna Top? 2019 from Corican Hall. Uh, first of all, so this show took place in front of a, a little bit of a smaller crowd than usual for DDT Corican. Only 931 fans. Um, you know, it is surprising to me the cart that it drew that poorly, considering the the sumo hall show at Ryugoku uh, is doing really well. Like you know, about as well as it did last year. The Ultimate Party show is doing about as well as Peter Pan did last year. You know, it looks like they're on track to sell out their smaller Ryugoku setup. So I'm a little surprised the fans who are really buying up the tickets for that show. Apparently didn't care who was going to find out in person who one of the two main eventers is going to be. But, you know, DDT shows are weird. I mean, their big shows draw pretty damn well, but then their Corkins can be very random. Um, I didn't watch the dark match, which was Nobuhiro Shimitani beating uh, Takato Nakano in 706. So I skipped that. The show opened with us learning that trainee Keiko Nakamura's debut match will finally be happening. So that'll be on October 19th at the Ryogoku KFC Hall, uh, which is not the big sumo hall, of course. It's just another nearby small venue. Uh, and he'll be taking on Naomi Yoshimura. So Yoshimura got mad at him for lying about his weight. Uh, of course, I should mention, as always, big ha- big uh, thank you to DET English Update for helping us out with the translations. Um, you know, they do tireless work over there. So definitely follow them on Twitter. Uh, if you don't already, um, you know, DDT English Update, that's a just a great account that really 
you know, helps my terrible Japanese skills understand what is actually going on. I've, I've reached a point now where I can understand some sentences, but still, like, I'll be like, uh, I know some of what the gist of what's being talked about, I guess, but I'd still be really lost without, uh, DDT English update. So thank you so much to them. It's at DDT Pro underscore ENG. Definitely follow them, um, you know, if you don't already. So it opened up with that, and then we got a backstage segment where the gist seemed to be that Kazuki Hirata is really worried that he's being haunted by the zombie Saki. Of course, that's uh, Saki Akai's distant relative that we met last month. Um, but he doesn't believe in the supernatural, so basically everybody else had these talismans to protect themselves from Saki, but Hirata ref- refused one because he didn't actually believe in it. Um, but Yu-Gi-Oh! actually had two I guess you can't be too careful. And then when everybody leaves, uh, we see Saki, like, stagger out of a nearby locker, which is pretty funny. Uh, then we start out with the opener, which was Dancho Godino, Yoshitango, and Gota Ehashi against Toru Washi, Yu-Gi-Oh! Sakaguchi, and Kazuki Hirata. Um, Gota coming out was so freaked out by the threat of Saki, the looming threat, that he seemed to be scared of his own streamers, so that was pretty funny. Um, and then when Yukio came out for the match, he now had three talisman. So is it? I guess uh, that, that's the question. DT English update asked: Is talisman that the uh, plural of talisman, or is it talisman, talisman? Either way, I don't know. The point is, he had three talisman. Uh, and then Hirata still had none, and now had like these weird black marks on his eyes. And Ref Matsui demanded a talisman as well, and finally got one from Yukio. Um, then we had Gota and Awashi doing some lucha, which was really funny. Uh, Kazuki Hirata hit the ropes and got and basically got tripped up by a ghost like he just fell down and he insisted someone tripped him but there was nobody there so keeping that comedy going and then Yukio Sakaguchi also did some lucha I don't know what lucha had to do with ghosts but sure um, and then Hirata it all built up to him doing going to do his dance but the music got really weird the lights started going in and out first the lights started going in and out actually because Hirata was like, don't worry about it, my glasses glow in the dark. But then the music started getting really weird, too. And then here came, here comes Saki. Uh, she attacks Hirata, um, bites him, and we end up calling off this match at 6, uh, yeah, 6.48 due to zombie attack, because of a good reason to call a no contest a zombie attack. Uh, the talismans do seem to work, though, because she doesn't go after everyone else, she just, like, she walks right by three of them when she leaves. So, if only Hirata had gotten the gotten the talisman. Um, so I guess the plural of talisman is talismans. I don't know. <laughs> Saki put a message in blood on the Tron that says "Book me in a match," which is uh, one way to get your message across, I guess. Put a message in blood on the Titan Tron. Uh, but yeah, that this was a you know fun little comedy opener, pretty typical, but you know typical zombie attack stuff. Then we had match number two, which was Masahiro Takanashi and Mao defeating Shunma Katsumata and Mizuki Watase. Takanashi pinning Watase with a leg lock cradle in 535. This was short, but really fun while it lasted. Uh, I went only went two and three quarters because it was just like so short, but I liked it. Um, Masa's like cradle-based offense, it really always livens up in a little tag match like this. Like, at one point, when he reversed a pin off a drop kick, like, right into a crucifix for a close near fall. I love Masa Takanashi. I mean, he, I'm always, I, I talked about a lot, I'm a mark for, uh, flash pins anyway, and he just does a million of them. 
And he's just a very good wrestler anyway, so shout out to Masa Takanashi. Um, then we see the, basically the match ended like right after that little spot I talked about though, with Masa pinning Watase with his cross leg pin. So he'll be challenging Ryuchi uh, Sekine of Basara for the Union Max title at the upcoming Ryogoku Show Ultimate Party. So him getting the pin here definitely made sense. But fun little tag match. Then we had match number three, a four-way tag team match. Cody Hall and Antonio Honda defeating Makoto Oishi and Yuki Onaya, Hiroshi Yamato and Mad Polly, and Yuki Ueno and Naomi Yoshibura. So Hall pinned Ueno with the Thunderbuster in 740. Um, this again, you know, pretty typical DDT undercard stuff. Uh, a little four-way tag action here, which you see on a lot of shows. Uh, Yamato came out with a belt that's apparently the top of Mount Fuji Championship, where apparently they have matches literally at the top of Mount Fuji. I don't know how that works exactly, but I'd like to see it. Um, And Mad Polly, when he came out as um, Yamato's partner, seemed to greatly enjoy his singing, which I guess is like a consistent character trait for him, because he's always very excited whenever uh, Shuji Ishikawa, Damnation member, sings, sings, you know, for the fans, and yeah, Polly likes to dance. So yeah, Polly really enjoys when people sing. Apparently, um, we sit, there was a really funny spot early on where like Antonio Honda, he there were two guys laying across the mat when he was like uh, he took an Irish whip and he almost tripped over both of them but managed to survive without tripping. So that was really funny. He just like wobbled and just didn't go down. Uh, there was also an assisted X with Polly and Yamato where Polly like put the X motion over Yamato's arms and like just tossed him off the top rope on their opponent. That looked pretty cool. Uh, the Gon the Fox story here, when, of course, Honda did finally trip coming into the ring, that was about him going to the World Track and Field Championship where he competed in shot put. So there you go. Uh, and then Cody pinned Dueno, as I mentioned before, two and three quarters again, fun match, and they seem to tease Cody and Yuki Onaya as, like, two big guys facing off throughout, and they confronting each other after the match, so... Now, after this match is where we got the announced the announcement for the DO field, which is, of course, DDT's answer to the G1, which takes place, uh, I believe, I don't know if they have the dates yet. It's after Ultimate Party for sure. Um, it's called the DO 2020. It's like a fucking sports game or video game or something where, you know, it takes place in 2019, late 2019, but it's called the DO 2020. Um, so here's the field. We have Kanosuke Takashita, Hiroshima, Daisuke Sasaki, Tetsuya Endo, Soma Takao, Yukio Sakaguchi, and then a few DDT wrestlers making their first appearance in the DO. Uh, Yuki Ureno, Naomi Yoshimura, and Yuki Ino. Uh, then we have Keisuke Ishii from, coming back from Gambare to compete in this match. Uh, we have Bull James coming from America, which isn't that thrilling to me. But the last three competitors here, all guest stars, are a, little more, or a lot more thrilling, I should say. Uh, first, we have Chris Brooks coming back and, you know... People should know I'm not high on the Brit Res, but I really enjoy Chris Brooks during his uh, run in the DO, or not in the DO, I mean in DET earlier this year. You know, I actually saw his debut match in person at uh, the Kyoto KBS Hall, and I just thought he was a great fit in DET pretty much immediately. So good to see him back. Now you have Masato Tanaka, of all people, coming in, which got... Uh, you know, a big pop. So did Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks got a big pop. Tanaka got a big pop. And then Chihiro Hashimoto from Sendai Girls, who also got a big pop. So 
the, those last three, that, that's like awesome stuff. Like three great outsiders there. You got Brooks, who already fit in really well. Masao Tanaka, who, you know, is fucking Masao Tanaka. And Jihiro Hashimoto, who, who absolutely rules. You know, so I, I hope she fucking wins. I would be totally fine with that. And I pray to God that she and Masao Tanaka are in the same block. Because I really want to see Masato Tanaka versus Chihiro Hashimoto. So if the wrestling gods are kind enough to give me that, I will be very happy. Uh, after that, we had the fourth match, which was for the over 40 Ch- open weight championship. Is it, I don't think it's... Is it open weight? I don't know. Gorgeous Machino defeated Shinjiro Takagi in 8.33 with a schoolboy. Takagi fails in the second defense, and Matsuno becomes the second over 40 champion. Um, this was actually, like, kind of fun. as like a mostly straight wrestling match early on. Like, at one point, like, you know, Takagi wiped out Matsuno with a lariat, which is, like, a little harder than you expect to see a... 58-year-old man taking a, taking a move there. Um, but then Matsuno eventually gets, like, a handful of powder. He tosses it accidentally in the ref's face after Takagi ducks. And then, probably the funniest spot in the entire show, he just he sees the ref game with the powder and he just goes, eh, and tosses a second handful of powder in the ref's face on purpose. I laughed pretty hard at that. Um, Takagi got a visual pin on Matsuno, but the ref was down, of course. And then Matsuno reverses a powerbomb attempt into Arana, it sends Takagi into two of those plastic like Tupperware boxes they like to use in DT that were set up in the corner, and he gets to skip him with a schoolboy right after he went into the corner to win the title. This was really fun actually for what it was, um, and then afterwards Matsuno gave like a surprisingly heartfelt speech about not giving up on your dreams even when you're over 50. So he's because he's 58, as I mentioned before. He also said he always wanted to beat Takagi, so he finally got to here. So yeah, this was great. I did not expect the title change, but I'm in hindsight, I thought it was totally pretty damn cool that it happened. Uh, we had the intermission here, and then we came back with the special singles match: Konosuke Takashida defeating Asuka with a rotating prawn hold in 11:25. So. Um, Asuka was in her awesome big match dress again. So I love that black and red dress. It's just so fucking cool looking. And then she was went right to Takashita at the bell, or before the bell, when Takashita was, like, on the top rope dur- during his entrance. And she, like, knocks him to the floor and then moonsaults to the floor. So that was a great start. Uh, after that, she mostly targeted Takashita's back because it was all bandaged up. And, you know, she started targeting with chair shots on the floor. Um, she absolutely beat the shit out of him with forearms at one point after spinning at him and then like hit like a big wind-up one that looked brutal um, and the crowd got really behind her when, once he got around the 10 minute mark and she like wiped him out with a super kick and a spin kick but then Takashita ended up pinning her soon after that with a sudden cradle reversal this is one where I just wish it got more time I thought it was really great while it lasted I went three and three quarters uh, I definitely think they have room to top that in another match. I think, you know, if they had another 10 minutes, you know, or even another 5 minutes, they probably would have hit 4 stars. Uh, the semifinal was the KOD Tag Team Championship match. Uh, Daisuke Sasaki and Soma Takao defeating Akito and Yuki Ino when Sasaki submitted Ino with the cross face lock in 1435. Their 7th defense, so quite the rain here for Sasaki and Takao. Uh, Ino, of course, you know, a former rugby player, had that rugby ball. Uh, Japan had just beaten Ireland, apparently, in the um, in the, the Rugby World Cup. 
which uh, I, I was looking at the results here on Dramatic DET, another site we can shout out here. Um, and <laughs> Jamie, like, of course, is from Ireland and runs that site. He, he like, put, put a little, like, editor's note, boo, in, <laughs> in the description, which I popped for. So shout out to Jamie if he happens to be hearing this. Um, as far as the match itself... I thought this was awesome. Uh, a total coming out party for Yuki Ino, who I think has always had that potential. You know, has always been like a guy that I think was pretty damn good at this already for a guy who's, you know, only been wrestling for what? I think like a year, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up now because I'm curious. But yeah, I mean, like he's he hasn't been around that long. And, you know, he's, he's oh, two years. He made his debut August 20th, 2017. So... Um, you know, he hasn't been around that long. I think he had potential almost immediately. And he's really, like, this was basically his coming out party, I thought. Like, he looked great in this match. You know, he has a very unique look. Uh, he's already a minor celebrity, like, on, you know, on Japanese television, like, doing a J-drama, which is why he's been away recently. And I thought he was great here. Um, so they, but it started out, the first thing I noted here was Akito and Soma had, like, a really fun, like, fast-paced exchange, including a long cradle exchange. Uh, and then we got to Sasaki and Ino, where Sasaki, like, tried to be a tough guy taking his shirt off and telling Ino to chop him. But then in typical Sasaki fashion, he went down for just two chops, which is really funny. Um, the announcers were like, at one point, Sasaki managed to actually spear Ino, which the announcers seemed, like, really amazed by. But sadly for him, this only seemed to fire Ino up because he kicked out at one. The crowd started going, I mean, the crowd was going nuts at this point, And he started going nuts on, on Sasaki. Uh, but then he accidentally crushed the ref with an avalanche in the corner, which kind of ended up being his undoing because it lets Sasaki bring a bunch of chairs in and break them over his head. Uh, but then Ito fights back and absolutely wipes out Sasaki with a huge lariat. That was so awesome. Only gets a two count. Uh, and then Ino spears Sasaki. That looks to be it. But then Soma pulls the ref out and then gives Ino the red mist, uh, which leads to him accidentally like spearing his own partner, Akito. And then Sasaki super kicks him into the Yoshi Tonic by uh, Soma. And then Sasaki puts him in the face lock. And, you know, finally has to tap. I went four and a quarter. I thought this was awesome. Again, just a total coming out party for Yuki Ino. Akito is always great. But, I mean, really, Ino was the focus on his team. And I think there's a lot of big things in his future. Especially since, you know, he has a great face, you know, like for, for DDT comedy. Has, like, great facial expressions and just, like, a really great look. I think he, he fits in with DT probably even better than a guy like Higuchi, who, you know, his underrated comedy, but, like, he, underrated, like, comedy wrestling uh, skills and stuff like that, but Eno just fits in really, really well. Uh, after that, we had two teams from Basara coming out the challenge. Uh, first, Fuma and Yusuke Kubo, who basically said they want to take all the DT titles with them when they go independent next year, since Basara is leaving the DT umbrella after 2019. And then the second team was Minoru Fujita, the uh, deathmatch wrestler who used to be like a big Zero One one junior, uh, and ex-DNA wrestler uh, Daiki Shimamura. So uh, Fujita and Shimamura were the other team. But then Akito said he wants to fight Basara as well, so he and Shuma Katsumata were added, even though uh, Sasaki was very upset about Akito getting the challenge again. But here that made a four-way match and a four-way hardcore tag team match at DET Ultimate Party. Which we'll talk about the... There's a lot of matches booked for Ultimate Party now. We'll talk about that after I talk about the main event here. The main event, the DDT Extreme Championship. Uh, a f- three-way elimination match for that title. 
So it was Jiro, Ikimen, Kurishio defending against Hiroshima and Tetsuya Endo. I'm sorry I always butchered Jiro's last name for some reason. That's very hard for me to do it. Uh, so this was made an elimination match at Ikimen's request because he wanted to pin both of them. Didn't work out for him, but uh, I just noted here his entrance was so long that I was able to fold all my darks because <laughs> I had to do I had to do my laundry today too, uh, you know, from the weekend and everything. But I was able to fold all my darks during this uh, during Jiro's entrance, so I appreciate Jiro. I didn't miss any of the match. Um, all I could think about early on was uh, like early in the match was will Vince McMahon like that noise Jiro makes? If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never seen a Jiro match, he he likes to make this noise when he like gets people in like headlocks and like especially early in matches where he goes like ah, ah, I'm doing it really badly. But you know, if you see a Jiro match, you know what I mean. And I can just see Vince getting like one fucking look at that and being like, he has to stop that immediately. <laughs> but I guess we'll see. Uh so there was a really funny spot, probably the highlight of the three way portion, where Ref Ref Matsui discovered both Jiro and Endo were trying to pin Hiroshima with their feet on the ropes at the same time. Uh, so he breaks that up, and then they both get pretend to get mad at each other, like, you're a cheater. No, you're a cheater. So that was kind of funny. Uh, and then we had possibly the greatest getting your knees up for a moonsault spot of all time. Uh, Hiroshima basically almost leaped up to get his knees up, like almost did like a jump, and Jiro like bounced off them when he landed. It was so great. Uh, so Jiro was the one doing the moonsault, to be clear. And then Endo tried the shooting star on Jiro, like, pretty soon after that. But Jiro got his knees up right into a cradle for two. Uh, Hiroshima broke up a Jiro pin attempt on Endo with a Samato, which kind of made no sense. But he did end up able to... He was able to pin Jiro right after to eliminate him, at least. So that happened at 15-10. And then he and Endo fought for about another five minutes uh, before Hiroshima pinned him as well with the Samato. In 2001, so Jiro fails in second defense, and Hiroshima becomes the 47th DET Extreme Champion. Four stars for me on this match. I thought it was awesome. Um, a little bit slow at the very beginning, and I would have liked to see maybe a little more drama in the Hiroshima Endo ending. I just think they didn't quite hit like another next level with that. But still an awesome match overall with a lot of really cool spots. Um, so, Hiroshima, he is going to challenge... Uh, Konosuke Takashida in a double title match at DET Ultimate Party uh, on November the 3rd, I believe. I just had it in front of me. But yeah, November... Yep, I was right. November 3rd. So, I'm a little surprised that it's not Endo. I thought they were going to do Endo, uh, you know, Takashida again for both belts, but like the double belt thing being the you know, the extra wrinkle that makes it okay for them to go right back to that match. Um... But I just, I just, you know, I I think as far as, like, doing Hiroshima again, that's totally fine, too, obviously. Uh, they haven't done that match in a couple of years, I think. The, the thing about, or at least not in a big stage like this, I, it just, just kind of, like, I thought maybe they were going to do, you know, our guy named Tetsuya won the double titles before your guy named Tetsuya. But, you know, maybe neither one of them's going to win both titles. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so Takashita Hiroshima, I assume Takashita wins that. I don't know why you really have Hiroshima win uh, at this point unless you want to do like their version of like the big Tanahashi old guy run, which I guess is possible, but I would still expect Takashita to win. So 
Let's talk about what we have so far for DDT Ultimate Party 2019. DDT Group Big Set, November 3rd at Ryogoku. Uh, we have three under matches. Uh, the Tokyo Joshi Pro offer match is currently X versus X. The same thing for a time difference battle royal. Uh, and then the only under match we actually know so far is Tomomotsu Matsunaga, Mizuki Watatsu, and Keigo Nakamura. Of course, the, he's the new rookie that's going to debut uh, in a couple weeks against Daichi Kazato, Masato Kamino, and Shuhei Washida. Um, I don't know where those guys are from exactly. I think, I assume from, uh, they could be from Gambare, they could be from Basara, because I don't really watch either that often, honestly. But I will find out. So, the gauntlet tag match after that is, yep, he's Basara, there you go. The, I mean, the names, I've seen more Gambare than Basara, and the names didn't sound familiar at all, so. Uh, then the actual opener was a gauntlet tag match, which we know will be Yuki Ueno and Naomi Yoshimura versus uh, Yukio Sakaguchi and Ryota Nakatsu from Basara versus Shuichio Katsumura and Koki Iwasaki, also from Basara, versus Maki Ito and Chris Brooks. So, yes, we have the Ito Respect Army team there in the opener. Oh, actually, Iwasaki's in Gambare. I'm sorry, I just lied. Uh, <laughs> match two, the KOD 10 Man Tag Team titles. Yes, they're coming back. I was there at Peter Pan um, in 2017 when the, the belts were first decided, and you know we haven't seen them, I, I think, since November 2017. So the belts are returning here with two new champ. New champions are going to be crowned between ta- teams captained by Dan Shokudino and Super Sasdango Machine. So we don't know who are on those teams yet, but we just know it's the Dino Army versus the Sasdango Army. Uh, match three will be for the Princess Tag Team titles with Saki-sama and Misao defending against X and X. I'm not sure if they have a match scheduled to determine number of contenders or something, but right now we don't know who that's going to be. Match four is the KOD Tag Team title four-way hardcore match I talked about earlier. Uh, Sasaki and Takao versus Akito and Katsumata versus Fuma and Kubo and versus Fujita and Shimamura. Those last two teams both being from Basara. Match five, the independent World Junior Heavyweight title from... um, you know, that's obviously the title that used to be the FMW title that's now defended in Gambare. It's been defended in a million other places, honestly. But it's going to be Keisuke Ishii defending against Fuminori Abe. Of course, Abe is from Basara, so that's going to be Gambare versus Basara there. Uh, match number six, the Union Max title. That's the title defended in Basara that used to be a part of uh, the Pro Wrestling Union group that was basically like their predecessor in the DDT group. So it's Ryuchi Sekine of Basara defending against Masahiro Takanashi of DDT. The Princess of Princess title, match 7, Shoko Nakajima defending against Yuka Sakazaki. That's a hell of a match there, about as uh, big of a match as you can have for a Tokyo Joshi match, I think. So I really would like to see if Yuka can become a two-time champion. I'd love to see it, honestly. Match number 8, the special single match, the head of DDT and the head of Basara one-on-one. Senshiro Takagi versus Isami Kodaka. That'll be a spectacle, and I really can't wait for that one. The semifinal, Kenny Omega and Riho in a dramatic dream match taking on Antonio Honda and Miyu Yamashita. I think people expecting that to be just comedy are going to be in for a surprise, especially if uh, like Kenny and Miyu get to have some exchanges. I think they could do some really crazy stuff. And I know Kenny, you know, one of the things I think Kenny wants to show here basically is, um, you know, 
there's rumblings. I don't even know if it's rumblings or just like pretty much confirmed that he's not in agreement with the, you know, the no intergender policy that that's going to be going forward in AEW. So, you know, this is his chance basically to show the quality of intergender. And then the main event, as we just talked about, for the KOD Openweight and DET Extreme titles, Konosuke Takashita, the Openweight Champion, versus Hiroshima, the Extreme Champion. So yeah, this lineup uh, looks pretty sick, like pretty much all the DDT Big Show lineups usually look, um, you know, just having all these different people in, you know, from all these different promotions here. And there's a lot of people that don't even have matches yet, so I assume that Time Difference Battle Royal will have a lot of people, and I assume that the, obviously a bunch of people will be in the KOD Tag Team title match as well. So... That is your DDT talk. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Like I said before we started chatting here, this is my first time trying to do any kind of solo segment on the show. So, you know, I have a lot of respect now for what Rich and Joe with the flagship do like every week on the Patreon because this is not not very easy and I need a big drink of uh, water right now. <laughs> but we can wrap it up here since this will be the end of the show. So, thank you as always for listening. Um, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling did not fit. Um, if I saw you this past weekend, I might go into the same speech when I record the New Japan part. But thank you so much if you came, high and, came and said hi at the Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows. I really appreciate it. I always appreciate hearing from people who said they love the show. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes me want to keep doing this for a long time. You know, along with obviously the fact that I just enjoy talking about pro wrestling so uh next week we're gonna be speaking of rich i just mentioned him so rich crates from the voice of wrestling flagship will be on the show next week as we're going to do an episode much like the one we did two years earlier which is a wrestling observer hall of fame episode so we're going to talk i believe focusing on mostly the u.s and the japan candidates because i don't think either one of us will have much to say on europe or mexico but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the candidates and the various cases and, you know, both will they go in and, you know, how likely do we how likely do we think they are to go in and also, you know, would we put them in? So that's what we're going to be talking about next week, all about the Observer Hall of Fame. Uh, so definitely tune in for that. In the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.